It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that unfortunately doesn't have a host jumping in the harbor. We have an interview with Steve Suter about Maryland football coming up later. We'll get to that. It's a tremendous interview. But we first have to start with the fact that me and Banks do not get the pleasure of watching RDT jump into the inner harbor. The Orioles won last week. It does feel like an eternity to go now that they've won. Um, I guess we, 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 we could have dropped the ball, not doing an, an emergency podcast, guys. You know, circumstances and schedules didn't allow that to be. Eric was taking his victory lap all through his house, all through Twitter. Um, you know, happy days are here again in the RDT household. But um, do you have any, any comments for the people, RDT, anything to say? Do you want an apology from us? I don't think we have anything to apologize for, but maybe you would like one. Um, what are your thoughts? The Orioles taking down the Angels, who, by the way, with Mike Trout not playing, just absolute losers. They're losers with them. They're losers without them. I mean, I'm just – I feel bad for you guys and, and the fans and, and the, the listeners who wanted to see me jump in because I was, I was going to embrace it. I've told you guys, you know, I was going to stick to my guns and I was going to do it. There was – you know, I, the fate, I was going to bite the bullet and because, again, I'm a man of my word, um, a lot of pride, and I was just going to cannonball right in. And, and it, it pains me to not – you know, it sucks. I, I was looking forward to it. We'll say that. I, re- I really, really wanted to. And, and the fact that I, the Orioles let you guys down, just, it, you know, it's, it's a real bummer. We'll, we'll say that. Um, at least it was a good game, though. I mean. You disgust me with all that. It was you disgust me with that nonsense. You were going to yeah, go. No, I'm, I'm, take I'm, some I'm, lousy I'm loophole. A, heard all about all your uh, stupid no. ideas that you were going to loophole your way out of it. No. Nope. Mm-mm disgusting no i again i'm a man i said it i said it i was i wasn't gonna back down you know again i'm a, I'm a man if i say something i'm gonna do it and they were just one game away and and it just sucks that they weren't able to do it that that they got the win over the best pitcher best player in baseball and you know, again now it goes robert andino delman young austin hayes i mean those guys will live you know in, in, in Orioles history forever, just breaking the streak. It was, I mean, again, a hell of a game. Um, I was very invested in it. As you could tell, um, I needed to shower after the game because I was very sweaty and covered in insert beer sponsorship here, whichever one wants to come knocking on the door. But, um, again, I just, I feel bad for, for the listeners because I think it would have made some really good content. And I was really looking forward to owning up and paying, paying you know my dues and and i did say i you know i doubled down i said if the orioles win 20 in a row i'll go in the harbor so it's an exploding offer and i think they have like 20 35 games left something like that for that to happen so let's see let's see if they got any more magic left in them so sorry again to the listeners because there was an incredible there were there was really nobody rooting for you which is one i don't know if that's a sad reality for you or if it's people (laughs) like carnage but there was really no one on social media any of the listeners obviously not us that didn't want to see you jump in there and um you've gone back and forth a million times on it now you're saying you would have done it, it is what it is oh i don't think i ever said i wouldn't have done it i i'm i am hmm. uh, there, there definitely were some people who were on my side uh my wife and my parents who were 
Uh, my dad said, sure. quote, don't ever do this dumb shit again. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I just said that I would do it again if they won 20 in a row. So sucks to suck. Oh. Well, it's nice that the Orioles won. It's nice for the team and the people that work there. Just want to get that in. It is not nice for you actually having to own up to this bet. Uh, I, I will say, I texted, I was texting some of the guys after, like I texted Trey and said something. I texted Sarah Perlman too. And she said, you know, something about like, I'm glad they won, but I'm also glad that you're going to stay healthy now and not jump in the Harbor. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the team was aware of it. So I like to think that they pulled that out just for me. Like not wow. at 18, not at 17. Your service. I like, I'm I, I, like, there's like an 86% chance Brandon Hyde had like a pregame meeting i was like listen guys we can't let this happen not like we can't let him jump in the harbor and yeah. they were like you know what like austin hayes started to slow not, the, not the king of orioles twitter Anybody the fucking knows. chris elliott or whoever started the bullpen game was like you know what you're right you're right skip i got it let me i'll t- i'll take the ball i'm gonna do this so thank you thank you to them for their support because like i said there wasn't much my mentions that night were very very funny and as the game went on, the DMs and texts I was getting, which I didn't, I don't think I answered a single text that night. Like, cause I was like, fuck this dude. Like, don't ever text me again. Don't ever try and ask me where I'm jumping in the harbor. And then again, it was just kind of quiet after it happened. Uh, you know, friend, friend of the program, Bobby Trost had sent me a text in a group chat with Banks. Got no response from Banks. Our boy, Ray. Busy, busy losing my own baseball games. Uh, oh boy. Uh-oh. Yeah. What a rough night for you then coming back and seeing that and, yeah. Sorry again. I, I apologize. I want to apologize. I will apologize for that. So sorry to ruin okay. uh, your your harbor jumping party. It wasn't Order. my party. I mean, it was just a man going through with something he said he'd do and not um, trying to say, oh, they, you can edit any video any way you want these days and <laughs> taking every chance you can to try to throw this thing off the rails. So, um, the Orioles did go on a brief hot streak there. One, two in a row. They've now lost four in a row since. They uh, won a series. Won a they series. won a series. I mean, the Angels, I, 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 I cannot get over how just awful of a franchise that the Angels are. I mean, they are just continuing to squander generational talent after generational talent. And, you know, I've, I've said a lot of things about Mike Trout privately and publicly in terms of his ability to win. Maybe that organization is cursed, and that's why he shouldn't have signed that long-term extension. Maybe he wins in other places. They, they, they stink. They screw the Angels. You have Shohei Otani. You can't beat the Orioles two out of three. You stick. Get out of here. Baltimore Ravens. Big news this week. J.K. Dobbins, ACL injury, out for the season. You could hear a proverbial pin drop, I think, around the entire city when that injury happened um, against the Washington football team in the preseason this weekend. It's Gus bus time. We all jump on the bus. This is a tough one. I mean, I think that everyone had not only around this area, but really nationally had J.K. Dobbins pegged for a breakout year, more touches, you know, uh, improvement in the passing game, a, a year of experience in the offense, a year of experience with Lamar Jackson. And by all accounts, he was, you know, had taken that to heart and, and had worked hard and, and the reviews were raved coming out of camp on him. It sucks. Now the Ravens will rely on a the Gus bus, Justice Hill, as I knocked my the uh, the uh, gavel there. 
And I don't know if anybody could hear that, but uh, and Tyshawn Williams. So we'll see. We'll see. But that sucks. That's yeah, there's really no other way to put it. It sucks. You pretty much took the words out of my mouth with everything, both publicly and privately from things I hear. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, the proverbial first guy in, last guy out, doing everything he can to just be the best running back in the league. Um, and he was probably taking that trajectory this season, and then just it just stinks. Um, does it really affect the, the 2021 Ravens and, and where they're headed? I'm, I'm comfortable saying not all that much. I mean, we, we, we know what Gus Edwards is capable of. The only thing that really hurts there is what kind of workload that he runs. And um, we've seen him carry, what, 150 times a season a couple times, but we've never really seen him carry a full workload where it's 200, 250 carries. Um, and what that means, not, not necessarily what it means for him in the front end or what it means for him from in an individual game itself, him carrying more and more of the load. But it's really about how that wears on him come December and January when we really need him. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens try to ration his carries and try not to lean on him too much in the early going and work up those miles on him and see how much they're willing to bite off and give to Tyson Williams and just so because Tyson Williams, I, I said at least once and during the preseason has looked awesome. I mean, he has turned negative carries into 70 yard gains multiple times and he's gotten you know taken runs where he gets the lane and he gets to the second level and he turns it into you know those eight yard carries that our, our run game seemed to produce just naturally by way of just being dangerous and run blocking well he turns those eight yard carries into 20 yard carries and that's exactly what you get from Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and those great running backs so I feel comfortable with the guys that the Ravens currently have in the building I know as soon as J.K. Dobbins went down everybody threw their hands up in the air and they yelled for Todd Gurley or they yell for a trade or they yell for, hey, we're looking at everybody who's on the, the, the waiver wire here, everybody getting cut, you know, Devonta Freeman, like names like that. I don't, we, we, we just don't need to go get those guys because we have guys in-house. We, we breed these guys. The run blocking works. Lamar Jackson is still there as a weapon to, that defenses have to respect. There's so many reasons why we're going to be – of course, it's diminished. It's, it's, it's a marginal – difference between having jk dobbins and somebody else it's not ideal but we're going to be okay without him yeah i i think there's always sort of that want to you know go out and get somebody when something like this happens right you know you have some names out there a girly who knows is a you know great receiver and you go out and get him because he kind of fills in that void tyson williams is this super interesting player when you look at his, you know, kind of road to the NFL. It's very Gus-like. It's very Gus-like. Undrafted free agent, played at South Carolina and BYU. He might be the only person in American <laughs> history to attend both of those schools. Wait, did he go from South Carolina to BYU or BYU to South Carolina? So he, he started at North Carolina, then went to South Carolina, then went to BYU. He only carried it 233 times in his entire college career, which for a guy that's now playing in the NFL, guess how many – so he has once his best rushing season. How many yards do you guys think he's going to have? 219. 430. Thanks, pretty close. 471. 471, five, but – he almost averaged five yards a carry in his college career. So there were some stops and starts with injuries, it looks like. But a guy with not a lot of wear in his tires in terms of a college career. 
And now a lot of these, you know, big time schools have a lot of running backs they kind of go through, but you know, maybe a guy that's now fully healthy and certainly it's six foot, 220 pounds, not small. So you know, not going to be intimidated by an NFL workload. And it's just seemingly beat out Justice Hill, who maybe was going to be on the chopping block had J.K. Dobbins not gotten hurt. I, I would be interested to see what they would have done. Because based on the comments and based on just the workload that we've seen and Hill being hurt, it looks like Tyson Williams is probably going to be the third string way back. Um, so that's an interesting part of it. But Justice Hill does make the team, you know, outside of the J.K. Dobbins stuff, obviously roster cuts went down throughout the league today. I don't think there was anything unbelievably shocking from the Ravens cut down day. Um, you know, Anthony Levine, Cornell McFear guys that'll probably, I think by all accounts get brought back in some way. Um, anything that you guys saw that was maybe a little surprising on Ravens cut down day. I don't know that there was anything individually that really jumped off the page at me. Uh, just seeing the name Anthony Levine getting cut is a little jarring just because he's been around for so long. Um, and, and you could probably say the same about McPhee, but overall, I said this at a certain point, right at the four o'clock deadline, right before they went down to 53 guys, um, there, you could sense that there's a lot of people panicking because they don't like to see names that were recently drafted or names that have been Ravens for a long time or whatever it might be. They don't like to see these guys get cut because they're assets, their projects, whatever they might be. There's this mentality. And I completely understand it, that like when you cut a guy, that you drafted a year ago, you're giving up on that guy or you're declaring it a failure. And that's just the reality of having a team that's as deep as this roster is uh, and contends the last three seasons and then still having a dozen picks in just about every draft sense. There's simply no way to keep all these guys every single year. There's certain things, certain spots that you have to choose your battles and understand, hey, like, this is a really deep roster. There's a reason why we've won 20 straight preseason games. It's because the roster is really good in the second and third levels on the depth chart. And so guys are going to have to get cut. It's a simple numbers game. And it's a little like, hey, we just drafted Ben Mason. Why did we spend a pick on him if we didn't see a spot where he fit? Well, we he brought him into camp. We didn't know where Nick Boyle was at in terms of his rehab. Um, we saw how the offense was kind of hindered by – by plugging and overusing Pat Ricard in some regards in that offense down the stretch without Nick Boyle it was an insurance policy and also see what he could be. And also in case Nick Boyle just wasn't ready and we had to put him on the, the IR to start the season, then we'd have a guy that we plug and play in that position or trade him away. If, you know, if it comes to that. And so that's just one scenario in terms of all these guys that we're letting go here and, and, and people, I wouldn't say they were freaking out, but but I would say I would, every single person who got released at a given point, it seemed like somebody had a problem with, hey, why are they letting that guy go? Why are they quitting on that guy? Why, why are they keeping a guy like Miles Boykin when he can't even get on the field and not giving this guy a chance, that guy a chance, whatever it might be? It's just kind of the way it goes. It's, it's a numbers game, and, and you can't keep everybody. Yeah, it, the roster cutdowns are so weird because, again, people see like their cutdown – here are the 53. That 53 is going to change tomorrow. Nothing, it's The NFL out of, I mean, it, it's like looking at a baseball roster and being like, these are the 26 guys you're rolling with. That, it's never going to be the case. They're, they're, it's going to be moving pieces tomorrow. Guys are getting cut, and someone's going to get cut today that was told that he's going to make the roster because someone else is better in a spot, you know, they're going to upgrade a position. So, I mean, I saw some of the same thing that you got, you know, you know, because I, I even saw that McPhee and – um 
Levine, you know, are probably going to come back after some IR designations and stuff like that. So it's like, I saw people freaking out over things that necess- not necessarily are set in stone. And again, a lot of these guys are going to come back and, and, you know, you could still work out trades and stuff like that. So I just from the look, looking at the list, I didn't really see anyone shocking. Like you said, Taylor, to, to start it off, you know, that the Ravens cut. Um, I was more surprised that the Sean Wade, you know, trade, what was that? Um, Wednesday, Thursday, last week, mm-hmm. whichever. Sean Wade, again, yeah. Yeah, and ju- again, just more of a, oh, it's it seemed like, you know, I, again, I, I wasn't reading about what was going on at camp. I just heard what you guys had said. He was very good two years ago. Um, and then it was like, oh, they're kind of, it was just kind of weird that they traded him to the Patriots. But nothing really not, nothing really stood out for me um, from the Ravens on, on cut day. But again, I mean, people freaking out over things that, I feel like people are freaking out just to freak out, just to kind of ruffle some feathers. But what's, what's I mean, what's the most interesting move of the day for me? Um, you, you trade Ben Bredesen, you get a fourth round pick for him. It felt like they were going to cut him. So yeah, you you essentially told. I mean, I'm sure the conversation, and I, I guess I can't say I'm sure. I don't know necessarily what happens, but that's somebody the Giants wanted. weren't sure if they were going to get him if he came on the open market and the Ravens leveraged it into a pick. Gave up a couple of picks, but got a fourth round pick. Um, as you said, you know, Sean Wade, a guy who probably also, you know, if they trade him there, they got a thousand corners. So probably saw him as the odd man out of corner, shopped them, got a pick for him. You know, I know people get attached to some of these guys, building off what Banks said a little bit, guys get drafted and people just assume they're going to be on the team for 10 years. And I, I understand that mentality, but there's also something to like not getting attached to the guy that got picked in the fifth or sixth round. Like, you know, I think in an optimal scenario, they contribute to the Ravens, but they're in a business as the Ravens look at these guys and all these teams look at these guys as assets. And how do they want to use these assets? Do they want to use them on the field or do they want to evaluate them, use them, realize they've got enough at that position and get them and make them into another asset. I mean, that's just kind of how the game is played here. I would assume if you're Eric DaCosta and that's why, you know, when Sean Wade gets picked in the fifth round or whatever, you're not like, oh my God, can't wait to see him on the team for eight years. This is going to be great. You know, he's a fifth round pick. If he's going to be on the team for eight years, he would have been first yeah. round pick. Like, like that's those are the guys you pick higher in the draft. Yeah, the return so, wasn't going to be anything for a couple of years for those guys, anyways. They're projects. And they can be somebody else's look, project. Look at Geno Stone. Picked late. Everyone kind of liked it. Like, oh, what a steal. Got cut. Came back on the 53 this year. So, you know, yeah. all this stuff can kind of move and change around. As you said, RDT really nothing surprising here. I kind of set you guys up to try to answer that question, but there really wasn't anything. The Ravens kind of get the Ravens, get some more draft capital in 2022, you know, I guess give them some capital maybe to, you know, make a move during the season. If they have to do that with a fourth round pick, I guess you never know. Um, You never know where they're going to use that at this point. There's now talk of like a little like Michigan curse with some of these guys. (laughs) Who said that? Yeah. Who said that? Billy Henry. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's did, out there. Did somebody it's say that? I, I'm I'm reading into Rebex column, but I it could be said by somebody else. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Ooh, yeah. 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 Um so. Trace Trace McSorley is the other one that kind of jumps out. Like, yeah, I don't think they're ever gonna keep three guys on the 53 man roster. It was always one of the two guys was gonna get released and hopefully signed to the practice squad roster. And we we knew that what the result was two, three weeks ago. Um, and today just confirmed that they weren't going to keep three guys um, going in. I expect that Trace McSorley is going to come back and be the practice squad guy, though. But it should be noted that 
regardless of Trace getting hurt or not, I think Tyler Huntley proved a ton, maybe as much as any quarterback who isn't battling for a starting job. I think he probably did as much as anyone in the league to prove himself and sort of solidify himself a 53 man roster spot. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to, I mean, what a preseason for Tyler Huntley. I mean, essentially we're just taking all the snaps once, um, once McSorley got hurt and Balt, as you said, was tremendous and looks like a guy that, I mean, if you're the Baltimore Ravens and this is no district, you don't want him to see the field one time this year unless it's a mop-up duty, but looked like a guy that, you know, you have Lamar Jackson go down or something happens could be at least serviceable in running a similar type of offense. So that's nice for Ravens fans to see. Uh, and God, we're getting close. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, Monday night football is coming fast uh, and I'm excited. I mean, you, you've got your roster, um, the Justin Houston, we talked about it a little bit last week with the Justin Houston bits and pieces. Now Peter King in the comp talking about how much he wanted to be here. That stuff continues to be positive. Maybe that's just a good job by Ravens PR and the Justin Houston side to get good things out about him. But those are things I read. Those are things that I heard six weeks ago when it went down. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's always good to hear from. Did you read the, um, I think it was Peter King talking about how um, uh, Marcus Peters like texts Eric DaCosta and he always texts in all caps. And like DaCosta said, he like woke up one morning and all he saw was a text from Marcus Peters and all it said was, Justin Houston, all caps. And he's like, well, I guess, I guess we got to go. Let's go uh, look this up a little bit. But it was also like the least surprising thing of all time that Marcus Peters only types in all caps. What one of the more interesting stories that could be done that will probably just not be done because, and this isn't any league. It's not just the NFL, just the amount of discussion that's going on from these players in terms of like where they want to maneuver their careers. Like, obviously tampering is like the big thing in the NBA right now. Like it's obviously happening between teams and players, players and players, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Like just w- hearing the backstories of some of the ways like guys have gotten brought into teams through talking to guys that are on the team or, you know, lining up free agency or doing all those things. It's fascinating to me. Uh, yeah. The, um, I don't know if it was reported as in so many words or whatever it might be, but what I got here like a month ago after Justin Houston visited Pittsburgh immediately after visiting, he calls Marcus Peters and says, tell the boys I'm coming. And that was, yeah. that. so how long, yeah. how long did they play together in, in Kansas city? Only like what, maybe a year or two max. Cause Peters probably three, I guess. Was Peters there that long three seasons. Cause I know he wore out his welcome pretty, pretty quick. Um, Three years. Everyone's scrambling to do the research there. Yeah, yeah, three <laughs> years. Yeah, I get. I didn't realize he was only with the Rams for a year and a half. Well, a year. Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. So interesting. Kenny Young. Kenny Young. What are Ken? Do we know Kenny Young? Did Kenny Young make the Rams? That's a great question, actually. Look it up. Kenny Young is. I think he did. I'm. I think he did too. I'm pretty sure that he did. He did. He did. He did for Kenny Young. Him and Jake Jake Funk both made the uh, the Rams. A perfect transition. Maryland football starts this week. Before we get to Steve Suter, who is awesome, by the way. Tremendous. I think people really like that interview. It was just cool to talk to him. Where is your – look, I'm I'm in this every day. I'm, you know, we'll be there on Saturday. 
this is my life right now. Maryland football, Maryland sports all returning. So I'm a guy that's living this pretty much 24 hours a day. What is your guys' excitement level for this Maryland football team? Talia Tungabailoa comes back. Maryland has an established starting quarterback coming back for the first time in seemingly forever. They clearly have exciting offensive weapons in Demas, Rakim Jarrett, um, you know, Jayshon Jones, the list continues. They have some great defensive players. The secondary, Tarheeb still, Shakorian Bennett, Deontay Banks, Nick Cross, whatever. Can they compete on the lines? That's the question Steve Suter asked, and I'm sure that's what Mike Loxley is asking. When you guys look at it as two guys, one Banks that went to Maryland, one Eric that roots for Maryland, are you guys excited? Are you cautiously optimistic because this happens early in the season where Maryland starts well, and then you get into the meat grinder and it can kind of fall off the wagon a bit at times. Where do you guys fall on this? I'm not cautiously excited is, is to combine the two things that you just threw out there. I'm at about a six out of 10. So, and I'll tell you why there's, there's the, it's not a 10 or a nine or an eight or whatever is that every time we get a new coach here at Maryland, you get this cycle where there's a couple of years where you just kind of have a grace period and you get the excitement built behind the program. You start recruiting some guys, some names. Rakeem Jarrett's the name right now is kind of the biggest one that we've gotten in the building here at Maryland. You have exciting things going on, whether it be jerseys or new facilities or whatever it might be. And then you get this one season where you start off high, you go 4-0, and then you get absolutely blown apart in October by Penn State or Florida State when we're talking about C.J. Brown getting hurt a few years ago. Um, it's almost it's like watching the same. Yeah, it's just it was brutal. Don't need to get too deep into that. But that's where the cautious nature comes from. It's it's natural. Um, I think that the pieces are there. I think the Tonga Vailoa part is the most interesting. Just hearing a name like that attached to a program like this is not something you generally get. Because really, Maryland quarterback play, I mean, where has that been in the last 15 years? Really, since Scott McBride. I mean, hasn't mm-hmm. been there. You could make been, a Sam, you can make been, a small Sam Holland back case. Sam Danny, Danny OB, baby. Yeah, there's but that fell blitz. off the wagon. Yeah, that was that was a very there's quick. There's not been sustained quarterback play for a long time. And um, there's always been players and guys that are turned into great pros. It seems like we're becoming a wide receiver factory, if we're not that already. Um but I'm, I'm fired up to, because I think Saturday is is such kind of like a prove-it game. I think – I don't know if we talked about this off-air or we talked about it with Steve, um, but this is a big game in terms of getting yourself into that window where you get a little bit of an easier September after getting past this game. If you're undefeated, you keep that buzz going, that excitement going, you keep people invested a little bit longer, that can have long-term ramifications, whether it just be momentum going into that October or just – kind of floundering and it's just all oh, these are the same old turfs again so um i don't know um i'm excited just because college football is tremendous i mean it's fantastic and and maryland's our team and that's who we root for and um 3 30 it's not noon it's at least a game in the middle of a good saturday and uh it's a rival we don't much care for west virginia around here shout out john denver germantown maryland um clopper road um I stirred that pot a little bit this weekend. Yeah, it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. But um, yeah, it's it's just good to be back. Uh, I'm right there with them. It's kind of the same thing. Cautiously optimistic. Like I, I'm 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 excited that it's not a Northern Illinois or it's not a Towson or it's not like a JMU or Howard that you're starting off with. It's like 
we're jumping right fucking into it. We're going West Virginia right away. Yeah, it's just I wish it was Texas. That's all. Yeah, yeah you do wish it was Texas. We know if it was Texas. Three and zero would have been something. But um, I mean, uh, just echoing everything Banks has said, like I'm super excited um, to watch all the playmakers against Steve was getting us fired up for that. Um, I mean, I'm just, again, the, the West Virginia, I feel like the kids, like the people our age hate West Virginia hate because of the games that they played. And I feel like that hate isn't there anymore. Um, and again, there's no real reason to, for, for these kids who, you know, on the social media and stuff like that now to, to hate West Virginia. So uh, getting this win would be huge. I mean, this would be like you said, to start off one and zero against West Virginia and then Howard and then, you know, at Illinois and then Kent state like that. I mean, that has all the makings for the four and you go into that October 1st against Iowa being like, I don't know. We Friday, <laughs> Friday, what bowl are we thinking? Are we, are we doing a new year's bowl or what are we doing here? Yeah. Friday and then it's like, against Kirk oh, Ferentz, baby 66 to three. Okay. Um, but no, I, again, I mean, just echoing everything else. I'm excited. College football is back. I'm excited, you know, just to see everyone and and I'm hoping to make it out to a couple games and maybe, maybe tailgate. And uh, what, what's your lot, Brian? Well, it's all jacked up because uh, there's football uh, fields there now. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, we get to see the new, um, what's it called? What's the, the, the Jones Hill house. house. Yeah. Jones Hill house. Jones Hill that, house. So. No, um, I'm, de- I'm definitely excited though. Well, if you guys ever need tickets, you just let me know. Okay. Okay. Never, never Ask my friend, you. Steve. Yeah, um, no, it's going to be very interesting. I, I think this is going to maybe come across wrong to Maryland fans. Obviously, the Texas two Texas wins were unbelievable. The first one in Austin was shocking to a certain extent, and then the one at FedEx was unbelievably emotional with all the things that surrounded that with Jordan McNair. I think this game is more significant than those two games. I think in terms of, you know, as you said, you, you get momentum going if you're Mike Loxley not only around the state and, and fandom to, to beat, especially for, you know, a fans of a different age, not only just like us, but also fans that are older that watch Maryland play West Virginia every single year. Mm-hmm. You kind of get those fans on board when you te- beat a team like that. You don't get as much national buzz because there's none of like the sort of the Texas trolling going on, which obviously we've, we've exploited a lot, but you're able to kind of prove it to your own fans. Like a similar to when you, you beat a team like Penn state last year, that there's so much history with that gets your fan base going. Also, you start to prove it to your recruits that, you know, this is the, these are the teams we're beating every year. We beat Penn state last year. We beat Minnesota last year. Now we're beating West Virginia this year, another power five team out of, out of the big 10. These are the things we're going to consistently do. It stinks that Maryland doesn't play West Virginia every year. That's just the reality of college football, but these are the type of, and, and not that Maryland and West Virginia even have as many local recruiting battles anymore as I think they did, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when West Virginia was really poaching players from Maryland, but you know, this, that is what this game does for Mike Loxley. And I think he's handled in that way. Everything he says to the press is, you know, look, we love the potential talk. We've loved that. We're done with that. Like, we, we want to prove it on the field. We want to prove that we're, you know, it's not all about recruiting stars. And that's not what this program, this program is about putting a great product on the field and winning for our fans. And I think it's going to be a very exciting game. I think this has the makings of a very exciting game. West Virginia is in a similar mode, third-year head coach. And they're trying, he's trying to prove it. They're trying to prove it to their fans. Um, and I read an article today. There's like 14 power five, power five matchups this weekend. It's going to be a great weekend of college football. Like, I hope I really, I would implore fan if listeners here, like come down to Maryland stadium and watch the Terps play West Virginia. I think it's gonna be a fun atmosphere, but if you stay home, I also can't blame you because there's a hundred great games to watch. Or if you go to a bar and watch them, 
Um, I can't blame you there either, but I hope everyone's in their Maryland red, white, black, and gold. And it was great to talk to Steve Suter about it. One of the, you know, the all-time Maryland guys, I think like us growing up, all of us in sort of our age group here, like one of the all-time Maryland legends, heroes, um, played for just, and he talks about it, just some unbelievably stacked early 2000s teams that era, you know, the Merriman's, the Henderson's, the Vernon Davis's, the list goes, Foxworth's, Madhu Williams, the list goes on and on. Um, and he kind of, he kind of goes down that list and gives us some fantastic stories. So let's get into our interview with former Maryland All-American and current radio analyst, Steve Suter. Something magic happens. Here on the Exit 52 podcast with Maryland football legend, new Maryland football radio analyst, and honestly, the future host of a podcast that you should be doing with our mutual friend, Matt Swope, because I think that would be an absolute electric factory. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Steve Suter on the X-52 podcast. Steve, thanks for coming on. First of all, the new gig, you're going to be up at Maryland Stadium with Johnny Holiday. You're going to be on the road covering this current team. How excited are you to get back um, to where you're talking to Maryland fans week after week and seeing this group led by Coach Loxley? Yeah, I'm very excited, actually. They called me... I mean, this, it happened quick. They reached out to me maybe a month ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. I was actually on vacation. Johnny Holiday called me specifically just to kind of gauge my interest. Some changes have been made over there, and they were looking for a guy. Uh, Johnny and I work well together, have a good relationship. So gave me a call, gauge my interest. I said, I try to keep a poker face a little bit. Say, I'll talk with my family. Let's make sure everything's going to work logistically. But I knew I was going to say yes. I think I made him wait a day or two then called him back. So it'll be fun. I've done it a couple of times, but never been the color guy with him specifically. I've done some sidelines. So it'll be a learning experience, but it's going to be fun. You've kind of been at practice a little bit. You're kind of getting a feel for what this current group of players looks like. Huge game, 330 rivalry game, West Virginia. You've got a history with them. What mm -hmm. are you seeing from this group that Coach Loxley's put together this year that you're excited for on Saturday? Yeah, I have. I've been to a handful of practices. I figured I needed to, you know, throw myself to the wolves and I got to learn the roster and all that stuff. Jazz, because there's a lot of new guys that I haven't been paying attention to or just, you know, with life and moving and family, things of that nature. You can't keep track of everybody. But I've been really impressed with uh, the receiving core, obviously, led by – He's a, he's just a flat-out stud. He's probably a third-round draft pick. I'll throw a grade out on him right now, in my opinion. But he's the type of kid that you don't normally see what he's doing in practice as far as taking as many reps as he does. He was on the first scrimmage. He was on every special team. Punt return, punt, kickoff, kickoff return. It was crazy. And he never tapped out. I mean, I watched him take, I don't even know, 20 reps in a row. And I was – I was trying, I was getting dehydrated on the sideline and I wasn't even doing anything. So <laughs> really, really impressed me with his work, work ethic. And that's just, you don't see the number one receiver on all those special teams. Now, is he going to play all those special teams during the season? I doubt it. But he's going to probably play a couple. And, and that says a lot for him what, and what he wants to do for the team and the future. Uh, Rakim, I mean, he's a flashy name and he's dynamic. Whenever he touched the ball in practice, it, it usually was a good play. And you can see the offense and, you know, it's trying to get them the ball more than, you know, the average percentage, as you would think. 
too. Aaliyah impressed me during practice too. I'm not there for the meeting room stuff. I'm not there when they watch film. So I'm not exactly sure how mentally it's working, but on the practice field, the, the guy's got great timing, throws a great ball, and is more athletic than you think. So from an offensive standpoint, I've been pretty pleased. The running back is going to be running back committee. Penny Boone's had a great camp since I've been there. And I hope to see him get a lot of touches. Fleet Davis kind of got being banged up the first practice. So that gave a lot of room for the younger guys to get some more reps. And Penny Boone's one that stuck out to me is taking advantage of that and, and taking advantage of his opportunity. So I look to see him be a guy that takes a bigger step. Um, offensive line is still undetermined, I think. And, and I'll transition now over to the defensive line. Same. Those, those, for my two question marks, I think it's probably the coach steps too. And I think how well they perform will go a long way with how well this team does this year. The defensive line has to be able to stop the run with the help of the linebackers. They, they couldn't do that last year. That They have to improve there. Or you're not going to be able to see how good the secondary is. The secondary is great. Safeties are good. Corners, Deontay Banks and Arheep Still or Ja'Korian Bennett are probably going to be stars there. They've been rotating. That secondary has been rotating a lot during practice. So you're going to see a lot of a lot of guys getting reps out there. But for them to shine, you got to be able to stop the run. So people have to try to throw on them. So that that's where complementary football, right? The team needs to complement each other. So the D-line's got to stop the run, get some pressure, and the DB's got to cover. And if it all works together, they'll be making some big plays in the secondary. Now, Steve, you, you talked about how it's a familiar face on uh, this coming Saturday with West Virginia, but it's been a couple of years since the Terps have seen West Virginia. Obviously, you know, those teams that you, you were on, you guys played them. It seemed like it seemed like twice, three times a year. I know you guys played them twice in one year, but what are your thoughts on the NCAA landscape right now with, you know, Maryland making the move to the Big Ten? You don't have the Virginia game, the Clemson game. Again, even – I mean, I remember being a kid and going to the West Virginia games, and, and it was – it was one of the best games of the year. And now those, those rivalries are kind of gone. What just, what are your thoughts on that landscape? And again, the no real rivals, I guess, for the Terps and, and the move in general. Yeah. So I don't like the fact that they don't have a real rival that bugs me a little bit. And even when I was there, West Virginia was my rival, hands down. I wanted to beat them more than anybody. I didn't have the, the rivalry from Virginia or Clemson that you mentioned didn't really touch home with me. And this is what I've said about the kids here. I don't want to say people are trying to force the rivalry on these kids, but obviously they bring it up. It needs to be personal for them. And it's just not going to be. And I get that. I'm not, I'm not mad about that. They still are going to want to win the game. I'm assuming you want to play well, you know, obviously, but something has to happen for you to build that emotion. My emotion for West Virginia was with Scott McBride when he went to West Virginia and came back the first time back at West Virginia. We're warming up before the game, you know, just t-shirt and shorts, playing catch. And the stuff that these fans were saying to him were just, I was just flat out like, this is so mean. I just, can't, <laughs> I can't believe you were saying these things to this kid. So him being my quarterback, I immediately took offense to it. And that was where it started for me. If I, I was thinking if these people can be this mean and I want to ruin their day as much as possible and I want to ruin it the next day and I want to ruin it the next day. 
and and that's where it started and it never it never faded for me but that's that five minutes of playing catch before our first game down there me realizing now i know i'm i'm throwing a bunch of people in one bucket here but me thinking that gosh these people are so mean they don't deserve to be happy on saturdays I, mean, I I love that again. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I was rooting with you guys and I, I've watched the, some of the behind the scenes stuff and yeah, McBride, it seemed like there was always that edge, you know, and he wanted, he wanted to get that upper hand on Rich Rod and uh, it, you know, again, a wide receiver running back and all the linemen should probably have his back. And it seemed like, uh, like you guys did, especially in that bowl game. Um, hey, we'll talk about the Gator bowl. What was it like knowing that you were, and this is probably every game for you in your career, being the most dangerous person on the field and there wasn't much that the other team could do about it. Like the second you got the ball in your hands, it was over. That's, first of all, thank you for that. And yeah. RBT was trying not to call you the most dangerous player in college football. He held, really held himself back. <laughs> I mean, but I, I mean, looking back on it, I don't want to, I wanted, I want the ball more. I wanted him more. I mean, at one point there during the season, 2002, I don't know what I finished with, but I had something along the lines of 18 yards average for every touch, no matter it was kickoff, punt, receiving or something. And I'm just always like, can they just dial up more plays for me? I mean, come on, can I get some more? (laughs) If the offenses would have been a little different back then than like they are now, like more spread, I think I would have got my hands on a lot more balls and 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 had some more, I guess, gaudy numbers. But it was something that you mentioned dangerous. And when it first happened, when I took my first kickoff, uh, my first punt to the house in Akron, Coach Ray Rosleski the next day, we're in the special teams meeting room and watching film. And he said it. He said, he told the home return team, at that time said we got somebody dangerous behind you look at like look at this kid run you guys got to know that that's the kid that's behind you all the time and as a unit you guys can be dangerous and he told me you are now labeled dangerous and when he said it i was like man that's pretty awesome i (laughs) i really it really meant something to me that other coaches were now worrying about what i was going to be able to do if i got my hands on the ball it was it was it was a compliment and it felt really good. You had returned six kicks in your career for touchdowns, if I have that correctly. Um, you mentioned your first one in Akron. Is there one when you look back at the tape that you just look at and you say, That's my masterpiece? Like this is the one that uh, is the one. There's a cut so of you say that the three to stick out, there was one in North Carolina at North Carolina that tied the record for the year. That, that was my fourth that season. And it's, there's a lot of congestion in front of me and I see a little gap and I squeak down the sideline and my, my four, three was on full display going down that side. <laughs> the, uh, the next one would be the first one at West Virginia Akron. Okay, great. That was my first one ever, but it's Akron. The second <laughs> one was at West Virginia at West Virginia, right after, I've had I've had listened to these fans heckle Scott McBride and I want to you know go up in the stands and throw some hands, so that one felt awesome. And then the third one I didn't actually score on was in the Peach Bowl, 
and we're blowing them out. It's one of the last punts of the game. I, I'm, I go out there and I say, I'm catching this no matter what. It's my last touch of the season probably. And you know you're not supposed to catch a ball past the 10-yard line. But we're sitting on four for the year. If we return one more, it's five. We break the record. And now we have the most returns for a single season all time. So I catch this ball on the four and break through the first, you know, two waves. And I'm out on the sideline. And the only guy left is the punter. And he's trying to get an angle on me. And I see Tyrone Stewart, who is my sweet mate. He's a safety for us. And he's pointing at me to cut back because he's trailing the punter. So he wants the punter have to turn around and he gets to clean this guy up, right? <laughs> and I watch, so he's, I could see him telling me to cut back and I kept, and you can see me on film. I keep looking behind him. I keep looking behind him. But he doesn't know he's got four volunteers that are right behind him. So I can't cut back. So all this stuff is happening. I'm processing all this in, in you know, 20 yards in two seconds. And so I can't cut back. He never goes and blocks the punter. I have to break the tackle of the punter. Then the other guys catch me. I break that tackle, this tackle, that tackle. And we end up getting tackled on the 12-yard line. So we go like 80 yards. And we get 12 yards short of the record for the year. Oh. All because my man Tyrone wanted to get on SportsCenter, clean this punter up. <laughs> and he was in my suite. So I didn't, I didn't let him live it down for a while. <laughs> but we laugh about it. He was trying to get on jacked up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, who even cares? It's a punter. Ain't nobody's going to give you no props or jacking up the punter. <laughs> that, those that, one, that one was fun, even though the, it didn't go. Those teams you guys played on were pretty stacked. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously, Maryland football has had a, an, an uneven decade. I think that's a fair way to put it. You mm-hmm. know, that those early 2000s teams are littered with NFL guys and littered yeah. with really productive college players. What was it like to play in those practices where you thought like, okay, like these guys are going to help me go against anybody in the country. Like, and we're, yeah. at, you know, in Maryland in the early 2000s. So it's funny you say that. I'll, I'll get to your, I'll answer that in a second, but I went and spoke to the team last week and I was, my main message was really to talk about after school and taking it seriously and network. Remember the hands you're shaking you know, LinkedIn profiles, the whole deal. And I wanted to give specifics and some data about 99 are you, percent of you are not going to the league. And then I wanted to reflect on the teams I played with. But then I started going down the roster. I'm like, I played with a lot of guys that made, <laughs> that made yeah. so I don't know if I could use my teams as an example. So if the percentages would work out in my favor to try to like grab them. But so that was funny that you bring that up. But to answer your question, I can remember specifically EJ Henderson comes to mind. Probably one of the best, if not the best middle linebacker to ever play at Maryland for sure. And had a real good career in the league, obviously. And I can remember we're watching film of a practice, right? You, you practice and the next day you'd watch film before the next practice. And I can remember telling James Franklin at the time, who was our coach, he's like, can you rewind that play? He would rewind it. And I would say, can you rewind it again? And EJ just, it's a running play, but then, EJ's a middle linebacker and he just comes into the backfield and tackles Bruce or Chris Downs or Josh Allen, whoever it was for a loss. And I said, I get it. He's the best linebacker in the country, but why does it look like nobody's even trying to block him? It doesn't look like we even have the scheme built up to try to block the guy. That makes no sense, but that's how good he was. He could dissect the play that quickly and know where he needed to be without getting blocked. And he did it over and over and over. So that was 
that was a moment that I'll never forget about how good some of those guys were. And you mentioned some others. I mean, they're just obvious freaks, Sean Merriman and Vernon Davis and my roommate, Dominic Foxworth, Madhu Williams, Denar Wilson played. I mean, the names are just, there's a bunch of people. I would say majority of them were on the defense. I played with Chris Jenkins. I played with Randy Starks. I played with Quell Jackson. Will Kershaw was in the league for a little bit. I mean, a bunch Jeez. of them. So every day in practice, especially for defense, you're going to get your lunch handed to you if you weren't ready. And, you know, I'd go up against Dominique and Garrick McPherson and Josh Wilson and guys like that every day. And he didn't want to get embarrassed because it's on film. That's the, that's the best thing. Right? It's on film. So if, if Dominique jams me up off the line on one-on-ones and sends me into the fence, then I'm going to get clowned the whole next day when we're watching on film. The receivers are going to join on me and the DBs are probably going to come into our meeting room and I'm going to hear about it in the locker room. And, you, you know, nobody wants to get punked. Nobody wants to be embarrassed. And so you had to come with it every day. And obviously it made us better. And it got us into a couple fights too because it's so competitive. <laughs> so it's such an extraordinary list when you just reel them off like that. Who was the yeah. who was the best quarterback converted to safety that you ever played with? Quarterback converted to safety? Yeah. I got to say Chris Kelly, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up watching him at Seneca Valley. I went to Seneca Valley myself. Okay. Le- legendary character. Legendary. So here, I got a Chris Kelly story. So sure. I loved – I love. well, I got plenty, but I'll use this I get, one. I'll, I'll throw one out there when you're done with one, too. Okay. So I used to love – he came in with me as my freshman – year right we're the same class and I used to love going around to all the dorm rooms of the of the freshmen and usually usually everybody carried their highlight tape with them so Chris had his highlight tape with him <laughs> I was like I want to watch your highlight tape you're the highest recruit ever your tape has to be silly and so I'm watching and he's doing what Chris Kelly did right Threw a bomb here he ran 40 yards here another TD another TD and then this one clip he throws a pick and I was looking, I was like, why did you, why did you put a pick on here? He said, just keep watching. So he throws the pick. The guy goes out of bounds or something. He's, they flip, they're now on defense. He's playing middle linebacker. He goes three straight tackles in the backfield. And then they punt the ball back to him. And then I think the next play throws a TD. That's why I put that in there. So <laughs> I get three TFLs. Then I throw a touchdown the next play. I was like, yeah, that's pretty sick. That was, that was some good take. That's like right in line with everything I've heard. The story that I have, because his head football coach at Seneca Valley, Terry Chang Gurris, he actually ended up coaching baseball by the time I got to high school, and he was my head baseball coach for all four years I was at Seneca Valley. So I've heard all the stories through him. Every single game he went out, went out for the coin flip, they deferred every single time so they could kick the ball off and he could just pick somebody off on the kickoff team and just wreck them and send a message to the other team and yeah, get the dude. boys fired up. He's an animal. Ricardo Dickerson was a fullback for us slash DN. He played for Northwestern. He tells the story of Chris that before their game, he came out to the 50-yard line all by himself and just stared down the whole sideline <laughs> like, I'm the man. Do something about it. And then I think they stomped him too. Ricardo, Ricardo used to use different language, but – they would all look around and he'd be like, that's one bad white boy. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs>
now, now real quick. So again, we talked about the West Virginia and you, you brought up the, the fair catch stuff. W- honestly, which did you hate more a fair, like a fair catch in general or West Virginia? Oh man, that's, that question has never been posed to me like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> so I'll say I hated West Virginia more. The, the fair catch thing was a pride thing. So I didn't, hate doing it I didn't want to do it and I would have hated if I had to do it and there came one situation where I almost did there's a free kick rule in college if there's a punt sent your way and the clock runs out you can fair catch the punt you get one untimed down mm-hmm. from that spot so I'm I'm three years into no fair catching and this is and I've never come across a situation where we're playing NC State at home they're backed up and they got a punt from like their own 10. And Coach Ray says, Suter, you got a fair catch us so we can get this on time down. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I got a fair catch us. Now I can never say that I never fair caught a punt. And I'm really upset that I have to go out and do this. I'm going to do it because I'm a team player, but I'm mad. And, you know, thank the guy upstairs. He punts a ball out of bounds. I don't have to fair catch it. <laughs> Still alive. I was so happy. <laughs> that was, uh, that would have been bad. One of the, so I got, a, I got a funny fair catch story. And it's West Virginia. So that's why I'll bring it up. We're at, we're home at Bird. I think it's the game we beat them 35 7, but I'm not sure when the punt was. The, I'm, the ball's punted to me. So I'm looking over the ball, I'm tracking it. I got my chin up, right? And I hear my gunner, we call them gunners, who's trying to block their guys coming down. And it's Adam Pacman Jones that he's trying to block coming down. Now, I won't name my guy's name to put him on blast, but I'm getting ready to catch the ball and I hear, Suter, fair catch it. <laughs> that is not what you want to hear. Yeah. I knew who was saying it. I knew what his responsibility was. And I knew that meant that Pacman Jones is just got a bead on me and it's just not going to be good. And sure enough, I'm not going to fair catch it. I'm all about to get rocked. And he spears me in my chin as I catch it. I don't fumble it. I'll put that in there. <laughs> and he gets flagged 15 yards for spearing me. And I don't know what he'd have been. I mean, he'd easily been ejected in today's game. So I get up off the ground and I was thinking like, you got to dust yourself off or something. Let them know it didn't hurt. Cause it's on me in the air. I like did a full 360. It was the worst. It's easily the worst hit I've ever had. And I'm supposed to be a receiver now, but I, all I see is like blue and yellow in my eyeballs. I would have been a concussion protocol. I probably have one easily, but I'm like trying to just walk off the field. And now James Franklin's yelling at me because I'm supposed to be on a receiver. He's like, Suter, what are you doing? Get in there. And like, all I could do was just, Make this slow nod that nope. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. So somebody else had to go in. And then I thought to myself, I, so here's my pride, man. I was such an idiot. I, I, I'm going to go back out for another punt. That possession happens. I don't remember if I even went in. Defense gets the – or we switched possessions, and now they're about to punt again. And I'm going back out to kick. And I said, I don't care where this ball is. I'm catching it. I don't care where it is because I don't want Pac-Man to think he took my man card and they just blasted me and now I'm scared. So they kick the ball and it goes out of bounds on their sideline. I went on their sideline and I catch it like amongst all of them. And I'm like, <laughs> just drop the ball. Like, yeah, hey, I'm still here. But I couldn't eat a solid food for a week 
my jaw was so bad i was eating yogurt and cereal wow yeah it was that one was bad i probably would have missed two weeks with a concussion but they weren't doing that back then so (laughs) pac-man jones on the on the more things where he's he's jacking up people's jaws here so yeah 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 Yeah. i I wasn't his first and i wasn't his last (laughs) you you told us a story when we had you on here the turtle about how you you know got recruited by maryland you know they sent a highlight tape and you know coach loxley eventually found him he's like gotta recruit this guy obviously that highlight tape was impressive do you remember what it was like you know playing in high school and just absolutely uh, eviscerating everyone else on the field like when you're just that much faster uh yes and no see we weren't we weren't good ever so <laughs> it was hard to you think four three in high school is i'm doing whatever i want but we're very good we only i think i won nine games my whole varsity career so my and that five of them were my junior i won two games as a sophomore five as a junior and two games as a senior so yes there were some moments where i was just physically better than my opponents but it wasn't as smooth sailing as it as you would think i guess um but i have fun with it so it got me it got me to maryland and now talking about the recruiting, so you were you were recruited by Ron Vanderlinden, Vanderlinden, I think. So I, yeah. I lived like two blocks down from him and his family, and his daughter, I think Chelsea, rode my bus in middle school. Okay. And like that's the Terps head football coach. So he, I, you know, he's your your coach, I guess, when you were right when you redshirted your freshman year. Yep. He gets fired, and Fridge comes in. Mm-hmm. How nerve wracking! Like, are you in sure. that position? Are you just like on my my Terps career is done? It's a whole new staff coming in, and I redshirted, and 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 you know I'm probably going to go look somewhere else. Or what's kind of the mindset going into that season when you hear Fridge and a whole new staff are coming in? So I'll tell you, when he first got fired, it was it was awesome. It was probably the best <laughs> week of school I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> You used to have to wake up in the morning and check in for breakfast. Then you'd have to go to study hall for two hours. Even if you'd have class till 10, you had to be in there at 7.30. And you're doing this, you're doing that. And you got all these people checking on you, making sure you go in here, you go in there. Well, it was it was like we were jailbird free for a week. No, we didn't care about anything. You know, I didn't check in anything. I didn't lift any weights. You're just like, oh, my gosh. You got so envious. Like, this is what oh, the regular students get to do. They don't aren't forced to get up and eat if they don't want to. And our academic advisor, I remember my academic advisor for the team calls us, calls my room. I don't know, it's like 8:30. I'm I should have been in study hall since seven. And she's, where are you? You have study hall. And I was like, I mean, I was kind of probably a jerk. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be right there, hung up, and then just went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I went to classes for a week or nothing. We were like, we just have to get this out of our system. So I'll remember that, especially. But <laughs> after that, then the anxiety kicked in, like you mentioned, and we were nervous. I had no idea the protocol. Rumors are going around that scholarships were one-year renewals, and at any time, they could not renew you. So we're like, oh, my God, this is going to come in, and I'm not a highly recruited kid. He's going to say he needs my scholarship, and boom, I got to go look somewhere else. So all those stories were happening i was also at the time as a freshman 
I was a big fan of, of James Franklin as my receivers coach and Loxley as well. So when Friedman came in, I remember going into his office and I knew the deal, right? A new coach shows up, he usually clean slate. And I'm not saying my conversation with him had anything to do with him keeping him, but I just said, hey, as a player who's been here, we like the guy. So for whatever that's worth, I mean, I can't remember exactly what happened, but he ended up keeping him. And um, that was different too, because you didn't normally see guys keep guys on staff. And then as a team, we just collectively came together as far as thinking, if we can't win with this guy, because we've been told he's this X and O's guru guy, then we're like, then maybe we can't win. So I think it was a backs against the wall. We all knew we had talent and let's, it was a perfect combination of, you know, you have, you have talent, you got players. We just rallied off all those people that went to the league and stayed there for a while. And then somebody that can bring in, I don't want to diminish, diminish the other offense, but a, a legit offense where you can actually create matchup, um, uh, matchup problems. And then, he built a great coach staff around him and it just worked. And luckily they renewed my scholarship. What's your best Ralph Regan story? Oh, uh, well, we didn't get along very good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are, are us butting heads and yelling at each other. The fair catch involved. Is that why? No, no, it was, it, they never had a problem with that, which is surprising, right? Because I would catch the ball in some dangerous situations and they never told me, dude, you're jeopardizing us by fumbling that or something. I never lost, I only lost one, Eastern Michigan. Nobody knows about it. It went right through my hands. 12 people were at the game, no big deal. So <laughs> I only have one lost punt to my name that I can, I can hold my head up high with that, but and, and they never changed that. No, I mean, uh, that was a personality clash, I'll just say, between him and myself, and it never went away. Um, do I have any good stories about he's, him? Though? He's not really been known to be a grudge holder either. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so it didn't work out well. I was voted to the team council, so we didn't have team captains. We had a council, so each grade le level – was represented by a certain number. So seniors had six, I think juniors had three and sophomores had two and one. So I was voted on that council ever since I think I was a sophomore moving up. And I think he wanted it just to be him tell the council what's the go, what what's going to happen. And we just relay it down to the team and that's it. Well, I felt obligated as since the team elected me as representative, well, I wanted to, bring it up you know but what we're talking about in the locker room and what we think needs to happen or change or this or that i'm like all right well, I'm gonna tell him uh, he, didn't, he didn't like hearing that <laughs> but i wasn't afraid to tell him so that put me in a lot of bad situations i <laughs> 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 just became a i was known for i remember so I, I remember we're at the uh we're in atlanta for the peach bowl he already doesn't like me and I got two receivers that mess up and get their curfews restricted for the next day. But they were the local kids that could help us 
we wanted to go out. They were the lo- we needed them because they're local. They just knew where to go. They're like, Suter, you got to call him. You got to call him. I'm like, he hates me. Why is he? <laughs> He's not going to say yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I say. But they talked to me. Into it. So I call him in his hotel room. I try to lay out a nice pitch on why we need their company to help us so nobody else gets lost or gets us in trouble. But uh, it didn't work out so well. But you hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a terrifying call to make. Yeah, it wasn't great. I was like, well, I mean, I guess I can't dig myself in a bigger hole, so I'll call him. I'm looking around like, you guys are all pansies, you know? <laughs> Making me do it, but I'll do it. That's why they voted you to the council. I was about to say, that's why you're on the council right there. Exactly, right? I say what they didn't want to say, and I felt I felt that personally. I've always been a, I've always been a pro player, always. And it was evident then, and still that's till still today, so – the coaches get to make all kinds of decisions and it doesn't impact well and it impacts the kids but the kids could never do anything about it so seeing that firsthand frustrated me a lot and so anytime i could advocate for the player i would do it you've got a very pro player head coach now that you're going to be calling his games yep. it was coaching you back when he was a young coach what's it been like for you to see locks go from you know an assist, a young assistant when you were playing to now head coach of yeah i love it i just i love the guy he's and it sounds so cliche and stupid but he's just real you, you if he talks to you it's not it's not some chameleon personality that a lot of coaches put on for recruit purposes tells it like it is and when you get to the school wherever you choose that he's there it is like what he says it is he's not going to come in there and sit down in your living room and tell you you're going to start as a freshman and you're going to the league. No, you're going to look, this is how it goes. Got to come in and earn your spot like everybody else. And, and that's what everybody gravitates towards him for. And that's why he's such a good recruiter because you can put your faith in him. And so for me personally, him being one of the first guys to recruit me, I got a soft spot for him for sure. I mean, my wife now was a cheerleader at the time when we were there, she's babysat for his kids while he was there for his first stint. So our families have some ties together from that aspect. So it's, I'm just really rooting for him from a personal level that I hope he gets to figure it out and turned around. I mean, all signs are pointing that way. It's just for me looking from the outside, I just, I just think he needs to get the right staff around because he's going to get the players and if we can get the right staff to match, like, like we talked about how it worked with Friedgen and, and his staff with our, our team of talent. And it's going to work for him because it just just has to. He's doing it. He's doing it right. He's creating a culture there that's it's right. You know, there's a uh, he's just bad eggs. Getting rid of them, maybe getting rid of is is a little too harsh. But recruiting kids to fill in spots of kids that maybe weren't doing it the right way. So that's what you have. That's what you have to look forward to as a team is just a bunch of good kids. And that that's I'm proud to be an alumni of something like that. Now, now I get we, we probably finished with this one unless they have anything else. 20 year old Steve Suter can get an NIL deal back, you know, 2003, 2004. The NIL thing is in place what you're you hear it. You get the you get the text, the, the phone call. This is good to go. Where's the first place that you're going and saying, 
let's let's make this happen is there a local okay. establishment uh you know are you looking for some food like well, what are we doing here i've been right on kevin plank's front step <laughs> <laughs> okay because my senior year i think was the first year they signed maryland or, or maryland and them partnered to be do the uniforms and i was i was i don't want to say the modeling but i was modeling it for all the press it was uh i know dequell was doing it too me and dequell were taking pictures and before that under armor was released in all my jerseys it was a 34 there was the only jersey released i'm like then they tried to disguise it with make it kind of look like a lacrosse jersey but (laughs) i knew it was my likeness so I don't know how many of them damn jerseys they sold, but I would have liked to have a little cut of that. <laughs> were you in any of the were you in any of the protect this house commercials? Like when they were just using fridges and Maryland was no, just a random I, I thing. Think, uh, when they were doing those, I was still in school. So you couldn't be a part of it. I didn't know if they just like faked it and just had you guys all in there and just didn't pay you. What yeah, no, no, that would have been nice. <laughs> I've heard stories of people that have went on to the league that their schools were more generous in that area. <laughs> um, I have I have one last question. Um, e- easy one, maybe a harder one. I don't know. How does Swope have the biggest uni- uniform display in Bentley's? Like, how does he have the like biggest frame <laughs> in the place? I can't forget that. It's got to be. Um, I don't. Know, I don't want to say time spent, but <laughs> he put the sweat. He put yeah. the sweat equity in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best of time. Those stools, I think. Yeah, like, you have like a punch card for like every beer you buy, like <laughs> every beer you drink, not necessarily buy. You get your yeah, frame gets yeah. bigger and bigger. Poster yeah. board. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a great dude, man. There it is. We leading the baseball team to uh, to success with with Rob mm-hmm. and all the guys over there. Sure. Steve Suter, thanks so much. I know Maryland fans and and fans around here can't wait to hear you and Johnny, the legend. I, I don't know Johnny. This is like eight, eighty seasons. I he just continues. Great. I saw I saw him today. He just continues on. Same guy every, every single year. Um, thanks so much for coming on with us. Can't wait to listen to you uh, and watch the Terps this season. Really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Anytime, man. Back to you in the studio. Trust, trust. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Just sensational stuff from our guy, Steve Suter. The nostalgia just absolutely wafting as the three of us talked to him <laughs> about early 2000s Maryland football, which was just like a tremendous, it's kind of our era. Every generation has their like era of Maryland football that was successful for a few years. There's a, a people of a certain age where it's the 80s, the Bobby Ross with Friesian as the office coordinator, Boomer, all those guys. You have, you know, the 50s and 60s, they won a national championship. For, like, people that are, I guess, are from, like, 24 to 40, this is – the early 2000s is kind of their era. You know, the Peach Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the AC championship. And Steve Suter was a big part of that. So it was fun to talk to him. Yeah, man. He, the guy just oozes with stories. You know he's got tons more. You know he has more stories that – He's just got in the vault there that maybe he's, you know, maybe we chat with him another time on or off the air. I don't know. I don't know, but he's got stories. All right. And uh, they're, some of them are juicy. They're fun. Like you said, like that was my era of like Maryland football, like getting NCAA 2004 and putting in every single name and giving everyone a visor and like just (laughs) playing with Steve Suter and all those guys, like, I've seen him out in public at Columbia mall and some other places like around the area and just being like, Oh my God, that's Steve Suter. Like 
he was he was an awesome awesome player and again like he wasn't the biggest the strongest he's, he's super strong but like he wasn't a Vernon Davis. He looks like an everyday guy. And like the fact that he was doing the stuff he was doing on a football field every Saturday was awesome. And it literally was every Saturday where he was doing something. Oh, there's a 70 yard punt return. There's, there's a huge catch, a one handed catch in the Gator Bowl. Like I remember going out and watching that Gator Bowl when I was like 14 years old and just being like, I love this, this team, Scott McBrien and like all of them. I mean, again, we could have, this could have been an eight hour podcast just telling stories about Maryland football and, and, you know, the whole program back then and, and everything that it was awesome to listen to. And, and you could see it in his face. And obviously he loves the team and the program, he, you know, be there on Saturday. But I mean, that, that's a guy who has a lot of pride, you know, in the Jersey and the flag and, and the team in general. And you could tell that, you know, he said the story about him and um, you know, the two, the, the two coaches that he was under and, and the, the relationship he has with Loxley seems like it's something pretty special. Yeah. So you know, that, that was neat to hear him kind of, you know, talk about that. So I'm, I'm, again, I, I think people will like the interview because it was, it was awesome. Yeah. I, um, touching more on what you said about that era and our, and people our age or whatever it might be like growing up, Maryland football wasn't really a thing. Like they just weren't really, they're very much on the outside of my consciousness. And then that 2001 team that, that, you know, winning that Florida state game down the stretch, like that, put Maryland football on the map at least for 10 year old me because I I grew up a Notre Dame fan for the most part and like Maryland was right down the street and I was kind of not all that aware that they even existed as a football program very aware of their basketball program kind of hard to miss them because they were such a big thing but football just wasn't a thing like it just was an afterthought yeah it just wasn't really a thing and then especially in in an area with two pro pro football teams it's just the Ravens had just won a Super Bowl, and yeah. and the football team is, I mean, especially Snyder where I grew up more specifically, too. like they're huge. I mean, they're a monster presence in the DC area. So, um, for that Maryland football team to come along and just kind of steal the show in 2001 was it was incredible, and and they had that sustained success for a handful of years, um, and that was a lot of fun. I mean, they they just made college football matter in this area for an extended period of time. Yeah, and the hope that is that Mike Loxley can get it back there. And you saw, I mean, the result was brutal. But, you know, two years ago when there was a little momentum, you have Penn State there on a Friday night and you fill up the student section with, you know, over, you know, 15,000 students or whatever it was and that building's packed. It's there. It can be there. It's just a question of sustaining it and, and getting it back there. But, it, yeah, I mean, echoing what you guys said, I mean, those early 2000s teams and he ran down those names, just incredibly talented. I mean, that put guys in the league that have put guys in the league that are doing stuff after. I mean, Dominic Fox was on ESPN like every day. Sean Merriman was a TV personality. You know, you have Studer, Studer's now is on the radio. You have Vernon Davis, who's freaking hosting like the challenge reunion shows. I mean, the, the amount of like, you know, personalities of not only football players that those teams created is pretty wild. So really made an impact on, on the entirety of Maryland football. And it brings us to our starting five draft presented by that thrill. Sunglasses come on, the double glasses. That's what the kids do these days. They put their sunglasses over their regular glasses, and that makes them cool. That's what I'm saying. Exit 52 is the promo code. Go to Fed Thrill. You get 20% off any purchase. Um, Fed Thrills, they were on at the BMW banks. I saw them. I was standing Mm -hmm. right next to you. You had them on, baby. Absolutely. I mean, three days out there in the sun, the sun was baking. 
It was hot as hell out there. I think anybody who was out there could tell you that. But let me tell you, my eyes were feeling fresh. They did a great view of everything. I couldn't have done it without my my Fed Thrill sunglasses. No question. Yes, you wouldn't have gotten through. And uh, what a what a weekend. We'll we'll talk about that here soon. But let's get through the starting five draft. Starting five draft, inspired by our interview with Mr. Sheev Suter, is our all time. Maryland football, and we're going to do a five-person Mount Rushmore is what we decided. We'll do the, f- the starting five, so it's a sort of a Mount Rushmore, but just our five favorites. Our five favorites are five best, however we want to define it. Um, Maryland football players. Banks, you have the first pick. RDT, you have the second pick. I have the third pick. Banks, start us off. This is for favorites. This is, where this is our favorite starting five. Favorite. This is not favorite. best. Not, best. not anything not, like no, that. There's not a historical. Don't come for us. If, you know, people on the list that are, you know, pro football Hall of Famers or something. This is our favorite. So maybe it's all from the same era. These are our favorite guys. Done. Favorite guy, Torrey Smith. That's an easy Ooh. pick for me. I know he's not the best player by any means, but he was there when I was there. Pretty damn um, good player, though. Yeah, damn great player. Uh, remember just kind of the, his coming out party of sorts. Uh, great game at, at West Virginia uh, on the road. And he was kind of not a name. And then they started throwing that um, statistic up there over and over that he was like leading the nation in all purpose yards, or he was near the top of that list. And it was early in a sophomore, or I guess it was, yeah, early in a sophomore season. And he sustained that all season long. And then it come next year, um, you know, that was a crummy, I think a two and 10 team that only beat Clemson and uh, middle Tennessee state. And then the next year they came back and that was um, Randy's first year. Uh, with the with the the home game against, uh, wait, you am I get my years mixed home. up? Home game yeah, against no, Miami. Troy wasn't, yeah. wasn't there for that. No, you're okay. You're right. It was the previous year was the year that led into that. So I'm um, no correct Regions correction. Frisians last year they went nine and four. Torrey Smith was uh, he had to be first team All ACC. Um, lit it up. I remember going to uh, the Friday game. The 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 Friday after or maybe it was a Saturday after Thanksgiving. Not a lot of people there because they're all home for Thanksgiving for the holidays and all those good things. But I remember sitting in the front row, the student section, um, being a student at the time and watching Torrey Smith just absolutely dunk, literally and figuratively mm. all over NC State, four touchdowns, probably 200-plus yards. Daniel B. was throwing him the rock. Um, and then he's just my favorite just because he happened to get dra- drafted by the Ravens and he was an impact player there. And, um, I mean, he – People don't talk enough probably about his, his game in Denver, obviously overshadowed by the, the Jacoby Jones touchdown and Justin Tucker hitting a, a big field goal and double overtime there. But Torrey Smith in the first half against Champ Bailey is one of the great all-time Ravens performances in a single game. Good pick. I mean, his senior year, I guess Richard Jr., six, seven catches, over 1,000 yards, 12 TDs. It's all of the year. Yeah. All of the year. RDT. Yeah, I mean that's it's a hell of a pick. I, th- I think he would have gone somewhere in this first or second round easily. Oh, um, I d- didn't even touch on how awesome he is in the community here. I mean, just correct. I was going to say, all, yeah, he's just, I mean, just a time. fucking knockout human. The guy's the greatest. Also, I mean, like his whole story about like you know living in hotels from night to night and like not having shoes and I again, I mean, is one of the just the most inspirational this, people ever. Like this is really super cheesy what I'm about to say, but he like he literally makes me proud to be a Maryland Terrapin. Correct. It's so, so funny. We had him. He 
you know, do the Maryland Athletics podcast, hear the turtle, subscribe, listen. Um, we literally cornered him at a Maryland basketball game. He was coming to the game to watch the game. We knew he was coming. He was coming through the back way. So we were literally just going to grab him and be like, hey, Tori, can you come do this? We go up and ask him, could not have been more gracious, comes over, does the interview for eight minutes or whatever it is, sells us, the, has no idea who me and Keith are, Keith Stan, who hosts the podcast with, does it, nice on the way out, goes, I, I was just like, this guy is exactly, he, exactly how you write him up. You know, sometimes there's a, that phrase, don't meet your heroes, where you're like, you meet people that you, you, you pull up and they're just turned out to be true. Like Tory Smith could not have been more about what I thought Tory Smith would be. It was just incredible. So there you go. There's our PR for Tory yeah. Smith. <laughs> not, doesn't, doesn't play well with earthquakes, so. No. All-time video. That's a great yeah. video. <laughs> great video. Um, I am going to go with, again, this, this may, some of, some of the younger listeners may not know who this they should know who he is ej henderson mm. was because again that's when i'm starting to watch and uh, this guy and again steve told the story is unbelievable and ends up getting drafted by the vikings to first team all acc 0102 two-time defensive player of the year the acc player of the year in 2001 just an absolutely unreal, unreal player. Um, and then again, like I used to love him in Madden. I would trade for him from the Vikings and uh, and put him on my team. I, I loved watching him. Um, easily one of my favorite defensive defensive players in NFL history. But he's he's definitely he's high high up there. He's he's my number. He's probably my favorite Terp of all time, and that's why I had to pick him here because he's just just so damn good. So damn good. Local guy too, yeah. incredible. He's gonna be a college football hall of famer. That's pretty much. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That was announced last year during. Yeah. Last year. I mean, like a thousand years yeah. ago, and then you have COVID. So and and, all, and so I thought it was cool. College football, which is a rarity for Maryland. There's not a lot of Maryland college football hall of famers. I mean, it's like you look up at the you know when you go to a game and you look up at the the not the banners, whatever they have on the on the yeah, um, the parking stands, yeah. and it's it's like Randy White, you know, All American, and then it's like EJ Henderson, and you're like, holy shit, like that's. That's uh, that's something. It's not you know all, all ACC is fine. That's great, but it's like all American is because again in two thousand one you were you were not getting those those all Americans from the Terps and and again him playing with his brother like I don't did he play with his brother I know Aaron I think Aaron came him. a little after yeah yeah I think he followed him but but again I, I I thought that was really cool and yeah shares a hometown with Cal Ripken so yeah those NCAA football video games when you would build up a program you just have nameless players or the numbers attached to their positions or whatever and at the end of the season you like because you just built an awesome program these players on your team would win all these trophies that had all these legendary college football names that you might not recognize you might recognize depending on how much you know college football history EJ Henderson won multiple of those trophies. Like that doesn't happen for Maryland football very much. Mm-hmm. So for him to win the Chuck Bednarik and the, and the Buckus award and all that, and two time ACC defensive player of the year. I mean, those are all around studs. He was a legend. Uh, I have two picks here. I mean, I don't want to be a Homer. We just talked to him, but I'm picking Suter. I yeah. mean, I mean, Suter was a, was a legend. I mean, he was the fair catch thing was an incredible thing. Thing to watch and everyone knew that it was just happening he was not going to fear catch the ball he was an electric factory and as he said if he plays in the offenses now and has like jet sweeps and all these different things he maybe carves out a, a career in the nfl like at He's that point 
even he, I mean, he's 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 like McCole Hardman. I mean, yeah. that, that type of player or what people wanted Tavon Austin to be. Like that is the type of player that he was in college and maybe gets exploited more in the NFL where there's a little more creativity. But just an incredible guy to watch. And when you're a kid, like that's the type of excitement you're looking for when you're watching football. I mean, he was just incredible. And that, that, those teams had incredible offenses, but got to give respect to Suter. Would have picked him here even if we hadn't had him on. Um, and I'll stay at that same position. And the team success was not what he would have liked it to be. But, I mean, Stefan Diggs was just defines an entire decade of Maryland football. I'm sure it would have been nice if that definition had gone with more success. And I'm sure Diggs would tell you they wanted to have more, but they just didn't have the personnel and didn't have the guy, you know, coaching them to maybe get that done. But, uh, I mean, getting Stefan Diggs was in First of all, when your recruitment is one of the biggest moments of the decade for your program, you know, you know you've done something right. Him announcing at Looney's was insane. It was an incredible moment and the movement, all those different things. And then he was as advertised injuries stifled, maybe having like one of the giant years, but he was incredible as a freshman, you know, played a season where he had a linebacker quarterback the entire time. And has obviously now shown that he's an all world receiver and talent um, after getting picked in the fifth round. And now that coach Lockley's back, I think he feels more connected to the program. And that makes me happy because that guy, you know, an interesting cat, but he put on, I mean, he put on, he did everything he said he was going to do. He was, I mean, if there's a better team around him, maybe that defines more by team success, but yeah, a lot of respect for Stefan Diggs put coming, staying home, putting on the Jersey and being a stud. So it's, it's, it's easy to love him because it's just the way that every, this area has had so many talented football players over so many years, um, especially given the way that the, the Maryland football program kind of, went downhill and after the mid OOs and this, this area got better and better with football recruiting and everything. And everybody, you know, went to the sec or went to Penn state or Ohio state, whatever it might be. And Stefan Diggs, the one guy who said, Hey, it's okay to stay home. Like we can do this here. We could build something here. Um, he believed in us when a lot of other people didn't in terms of like players of that caliber. So he was easy to love him from day one. And then it's probably the most right I've ever been on the internet. Um, is the the day of the second round of the draft and what was it probably 2015 2016 I said I'd stake my entire reputation that the guy was going to be a superstar they get taken to the fifth round and I said I said that and I could not have been more right so big credit to me for that thank you Stefan for making me right nice yeah love that um RDT it's still so many good I'm gonna go Sean Merriman, mm. who lights out. Yeah, I mean, the, the, when he was, when he was, I mean, he burst on the scene and he was awesome. Like I, I, I should have pulled up his sack numbers, like the stuff he was doing, in Maryland. And then like, oh, by the way, his name is his nickname is Lights Out. Oh, by the way, he has a tattoo on his forearm that he flicks the switch up and down, like after he sacks them. I mean, that was awesome. And like again, and then he burst into the NFL with the chargers and, and, you know, had the, um, the unreal rookie season. We won't talk about the, the steroids and all that stuff, but again, I mean, it balled out at the combine 12th overall pick. He was so much fun to watch. And, and he, I mean, he, they were in those, those 
that's what Steve was talking about too. Those new Under Armour uniforms. That was like, I think he was one of those first teams to wear those. And like, he just, they, he just looked so awesome. He looked like my created player every year in NCAA, like the huge shoulder pads, massive person, the vibe, he had it all. He was just so, he was awesome. He was so fun to watch. And I mean, again, the personality fit the, fit the nickname and the tattoo. He had it all. So good old Sean Merriman. Two quick Sean Merriman things. First team all pro as a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Led the NFL in sacks his second year in the league. It didn't, it wasn't a long, glorious NFL career, but for his first three years, he's one of the best defensive players in football. Yeah. And as we, not to keep going back to this, but like that's not a level that a lot of Maryland guys have reached last 20 years. Diggs is reaching it right now, but being one of the best at your position in the entire league, not a place where a lot of Maryland football players have lived. So mm-hmm. impressive. Yep. Um, yeah, there's more guys here than I expected to be here that are kind of in this ballpark. I think I got to take, and it pains me to do this to you, Taylor. I got to take sweet potato yams. Mm. I got to take Vernon Davis. Yams, those sweet, sweet potato yams. <laughs> yes. Vernon Davis running the 438. That's a number that I'll always call, like, just go hand yes. in hand with them. The 438 just lives. Just lives in infamy because that, I mean, especially back then, nobody touches that at the tight end position at the NFL combine. But obviously he was a great, um, great Maryland Terrapin in his own right. First team All-American, just like EJ Henderson was. Um, and another guy who's just a, a guy who reps Maryland well and um, has a lot of Maryland pride that I think we're all proud of as alumni for, uh, for him having been a Terp. And then with the next one, I think I don't think I can let Boomer go any further here. I think Boomer's got to be taken. I got to get a QB. Um, so Boomer Arsaisen is is I think a solid pick above the next best quarterback that would be picked here. So I got to take Boomer. Good pick. Yeah. Can't hate, his can't hate, his can't sports reference page says he was tenth in Heisman voting in 1983, and I I mean I don't know any Maryland Terrapin players to have gotten Heisman voting. At, like at I tech. wonder, I like I want to go know, back and look at Henderson. Yeah, yeah it'd be I was interesting to be up there, right? There's another guy in that area that I'm I was gonna say as well, but he no, has not picked, so I won't say it. All right, so my pick. Yep. All right, I'm I'm going again. This guy, he was right up there on that 2001 team. I'm I'm pulling up his stats really quick. I should have had it up again. I didn't know if he would be here or not. Um, Bruce Perry was Bruce the, a stud. the first guy like I have his number one Maryland jersey um upstairs and, like it was just he was awesome like his, his rushing numbers what was it he did do, 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 ACC player the offensive player of the year in 2001 I mean Maryland dominated the awards 219 rushes 1242 yards 10 touchdowns 40 catches 359 yards and two touchdowns I went to the Orange Bowl, obviously, blah, blah, blah. We know all about that. Second team All-American. Again, I mean, running back isn't really a position. They, they had another guy who, who I'm not going to name who was a pretty good player, but Perry was electric. I mean, he was like Suter. He, he's a tiny guy, very fast, very shifty, just so much fun to watch. And, and it sucks because I think he got hurt, I think, after that, his junior year, I think he got hurt. Um, he got hurt, then he came back. There yeah. Was Josh Allen, just, just never had it. Um, finishes the fourth leading rusher in Maryland's history, which again, I mean, there's a long, long history. And then 
Like, I remember being so pumped when he got drafted to the Eagles in the seventh round. I was so happy, and I picked him up in Madden, and I did that all. Um, he, he was one of those guys who was awesome in college and, and just could never, you know, wasn't going to really do anything in the NFL, but he, he was easily one of my favorite players to, uh, to ever line up for the Terps. Okay, I've got two here. What do I want to do with this? I'm just I'm sort of going back and looking like who I root for because I can I can take a bunch of guys that have now like worked for Maryland and kind of been around and lights. I'll probably take some of those guys at the end. Maybe I'll just take an entire receiver team. I'm gonna take Darius Hayward Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, Darius Hayward Bay, local guy for some reason, and this is the reason I'm taking him. Had a very nice career. The NFL thing didn't go as well as it could have, but he was in the league for a while. When he torched Miami for the two long touchdowns at Maryland Stadium, Bird Stadium at that point, that was an incredible moment because Maryland, a guy from Maryland was just outspeeding people from Miami. And I've watched that highlight on YouTube maybe a thousand times. Like mm-hmm. just the two touchdowns. It's just a Maryland moment that sticks in my head. And I'm sure there are better guys with better careers. But I just sat and watched that YouTube highlight of that dude running past guys from Miami. And that was just such a big deal to me when it happened. So I'm going to take Darius Hayward Bay here first. Um, and then with my second pick coming around here. Oh, man. Who do I want to take here? Oh, man. There's so many. There's just so many guys I could take for so many different reasons. It's tough. It's so tough because I, I go back and forth between, like, guys I watched when I was a kid and then now guys that I sit and like watch as like an employee or when I was in college, I'm thinking Kenny Tate. Fuck God it. damn it. I just, give me Kenny Tate. Give me my man, Kenny Tate. Fuck. I don't know I, why. I thought I was going to get him easy. Uh, give me Kenny Tate. Give me Kenny Tate. He just stuck. And when I made this list, he just stuck out to me as a guy I really liked. Kenny Tate. No, <laughs> Kenny Tate. There he is. Next I'm, bit. I I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I, I, I want Kenny Tate. I won't get it. Tate. I mean, he was sweet. I mean, that's pretty much he's all that sweet. matters. I don't, he was he's sweet. So, oh, I just so really different. didn't expect him to be taken at all. I, I didn't really have him high enough where I was going to take him at any point, but he was going to be a throne at the end. I would have taken him over Boomer. <laughs> I, I literally I – was- <laughs> I just can't take guys I didn't watch. I was picking him. Go next ahead, time. Banks. Or, sorry, go ahead. No, ABC. it's Eric. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, fuck me now. Um, uh, I am going to take. Want him? Do I want him? Um, I'm just scrolling down again, looking, looking, looking. By the way, one more Kenny Tate thing. While you think the Navy, over there, the Navy game. Uh, so sick. The Navy game. So, so, so one of the th- one of the, th- the one of the things that I've been most proud about in my ma- I've had now a long career now on social media, I guess. Last, we had nothing to post during the pandemic last year. Finding that Kenny Tate Navy highlight and posting it and then having all the people on Instagram be like, I fucking love Kenny Tate was just so fun. Because <laughs> it's just like, that's one of those, like, if you know, you know, kind of plays and things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is going to resonate with like a certain group of people. I think you actually retweeted it, Eric. You put like, you put like, oh, Kenny Tate against Navy. Like, this is so great. And I was just like, I was in Ocean City and I was just like, this is so awesome. That play was such a moment, too. I was in the second-to-last row right in front of the uh, scoreboard on the end zone side that the play was on, and I had the whole basketball team right behind me. I had Jordan Williams screaming his lungs out when Kenny – we were all high-fiving each other when he made the stop. It was incredible. 
I'm, try- I'm trying to find that video now or the play. All my tweets are just about Dylan Tate, but by the way, he <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. Oh, can you say <laughs> um he came in as a wide receiver, converted to safety, ended up playing linebacker as well, and then played in the CFL as a defensive end. One of the he all-time did all. players. <laughs> he did That's unbelievable. Oh, I love this pick even more as I talk about it. Uh, yeah, Kenny I mean, Good for Kenny Tate. He's a Maryland native. Maryland native. I mean, the- yeah, again, that, that pick, that's an unbelievable pick. Like, that's a – here it is. His, uh, he's listed as – Played college football at University of Maryland as a safety wide receiver, defensive end, defensive <laughs> linebacker. So good. <laughs> like, that's everything. Kenny Tate forever. 6'4, 220. Yeah, I fuck with Kenny Tate hard. I like that. I mean, that was my pick. Yeah. Um, so I'll work on the fly. Um, I'll go Scott McBrien. Again, yeah. I mean, a sweet lefty throwing it. Um, I, and I just remember, like, I didn't even know that he came from West Virginia when I was watching, like, because I wasn't. I just like didn't pick up on it because I was still pretty young, um, but again, I mean, he was he was so damn good and he was awesome to watch and 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 he's a very likable guy. I think I have a buddy who's like married to his, his no, his cousin married Scott O'Brien, something like that. So there's some connection there somewhere. But Scott yeah, O'Brien is a great guy. We've, he was we've a one here in the turtle, tremendous guy. A lot of fun to watch, and again, like a guy who stuck around. Like then he still did the passing academy in Rockville, is it something like that? Or I know I know. Oh he, he had the camp and all that, but yeah, he, he was awesome to watch. And, and again, just that the, it's, I'm not saying their glory years of, of Terps football, but he was the guy leading the charge when they were, uh, when they were making some of those, those decent bowl games and, and winning them. So good pick. Thank you. you I, no. He doesn't want to trade. He doesn't want to. Um, I can't believe this pick made it back to me because I was close to taking it the last time I had picks. Uh, I'm taking Lamont Jordan. He's the top leading rusher. That was in, the Heisman guy I was in school talk history. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't even. He was only a semifinalist for the Doak Walker. So, so that's funny. So I don't know if he got any Heisman votes. The reason I say the Heisman thing is, you know, in my line of work here, went back at one point and was like looking at the Wayback Machine for umterps.com. And it or and and some of our like archived uh, media guys and things, and there was like a Lamont for Heisman like online campaign that they were trying to put together for his senior year, <laughs> which I just found awesome. I, I just want to be a part of a Maryland team that has a Heisman. It's an online campaign for two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. It's like all the <laughs> way. Like, it looks like super janky. It's so good. I have to find it. Um, you need to find that. We need to have a look at that. Lamont for Heisman. Lamont yeah, two time second team All ACC, all time leading rusher, all time single season rusher. Um, there's just a lot of things to throw on the resume there for him, and had a pretty good NFL career, all things considered. Played eight years, backed up Curtis Martin for for four years. So um, yeah, and he's a Maryland native too, so I'm taking him. And Baltimore then with my son from September 22nd. I, I, I'm like, I'm oh my right god, I'm looking at it right Preston. now. Mike Preston turned down the volume on the Jordan Henderson talk. Oh, oh the, the Jordan Heisman, Heisman talk. Yep, Heisman talk from Mike Preston. That is that so was. Good. That was my reaction when I was like, I saw it and I clicked on it. I was like, please be Preston. Please be Preston. And I saw it was Mike Preston. Like, I'm a fucking course. What a fucking headline this is. The lead of the column is University. Oh, you guys are looking up, but I'll read it for listeners. University of Maryland running back Lamont Jordan's run for that 2000 Heisen Trophy has always been more hype than substance. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh, wow. He's getting quotes Good. from the Ravens pro personnel director. Oh, James Harris. He was in the organization for a decent amount of time, wasn't wow. he? Wow. Let's see. The last Kirk's time coach Rob Vanderland does, doesn't believe a team has to be a contender <laughs> for the national championship just to have a player in contention. Let's see. The last time Maryland was ranked was in. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> Mike Preston. Oh, this guy. Oh, oh we got man. Michael Vick talk. Chris yeah, Winkie. Hello, Michael Vick. So There's nothing. Got Mel Kuyper quotes now. Reading articles. Oh, what an article. Articles are so fun. I can't believe oh, that this by is Vanderlinen. so easily accessible, too. I think oh, our man. boy better break loose pretty quick, though. Wow, Calvin McCall. Mm-hmm. Lamont Jordan also had a really weird NFL career where there was at one point when he was in Oakland, some really high in my early days playing fantasy football. So like big time fan, he was with the jets and was like back behind Curtis Martin. It was just kind of there went to Oakland, had like a thousand yards in his first season there and had some like really big fantasy uh, consideration the next year, got hurt and just was never relevant again. The NFL. Yeah. That's the way it goes to running backs. Yeah. Before they learn that they're kind of, Kind of God, replaceable. Heisman Trophy. That's such a good find, Mike Preston. Yeah. Shout I mean, out, Mike Preston. If you That's get so under good. Mike Preston's skin and get him to write some shit like that, then like you're doing something right, and that just He's makes me love the pick even more. Back, NFL teams want. He'll probably get drafted in the first round if he overcomes the rap of a poor work ethic in the classroom in the weight room. Like, what a ricochet shot at the end of the column. <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be much of a chance for a Heisman. Actually, there never was. Oh, good. Come on. That's all right. What, what's the all famous right, go one? Ahead. Go uh, ahead. Reed is a pick without pizzazz. Isn't that his Ed Reed one? Uh, that's horrible. Yeah. To be fair, the organization said that they literally, we don't need to get into the Ed Reed stuff. He was literally the spot they picked on the board on their own board. Literally, the entire board went in order, not in order, but like their first 23 players got taken or whatever the number was. Anyways. Uh, last pick. Uh, I think you guys, or at least you, Eric, know that I'm going to do this. I can't not do it. I'm taking Chris Kelly. He's my favorite Terp. Uh, shout out Screaming Eagles. Three-time state champion at Seneca Valley. 26-0 as starting QB. 39-0 overall as a player. Um, was by some ranked the number one quarterback recruit in the entire country. Uh, would have changed Maryland football, in my opinion, for a very long time and been the quarterback for a lot of years in, the, in those teams' primes. Um, and uh, would have taken over for Scott McBride when his career was done. And then he just tore both of his ACLs. And then I think he tore another one at some point down the road, eventually just converted to being a safety. Kind of wasn't the same again, but all-time competitor, um, a Maryland high school football legend, could have been a college and probably a pro uh, legend in his own right, just devastating injuries. Um, but uh, Chris Kelly's my guy. I mean, I, I I wouldn't have been shocked if you took him one. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about it, but I come on, it's just I wasn't. Come on, you guys aren't going to take him, so what am I going to do? No, it would have been an awesome pick for you. Awesome you guys statement, to, yeah, though. it would have been a great statement for you to do it. Would you trade him, Kenny? If uh, never mind. No, I'm not no. trading him. No, Kenny Tate couldn't be less on the block. <laughs> Damn it. All righty. Um, is it me now? Yeah. My, my last one. Yep. Um, I mean, these, these, these honorable mentions are going to just be some all-time names. Um, give me – I'm going to go Fridge. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to go Fridge. You know, Alfred. obviously I didn't see him play. I guess. 
but guy was a hell of a coach. Guy was a great, I mean, you know, great coach. He was. I mean, look, I mean, not only a great coach as a head coach, but was an offensive coordinator on the teams of Bobby Ross that won a lot in the 80s. So mm-hmm. then went to Rutgers and couldn't. One of the coolest moments of my professional career was interviewing him one-on-one for here in the Turtle. I was, we were sitting in the lobby of the hotel in Co- the hotel in College Park. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Like if you were telling 11 year old Taylor, he was doing this. He would have taken that a thousand times out of a thousand. I offered years. to co-host the interview with you. and you, That's right. That's right. That's you right. just kind of left me hanging in I the did. wind. I did. I took that one for myself. I went straight me guy. <laughs> I said, this is mine. <laughs> I this one it. is mine. Um, he was awesome. Yeah. I've, I've only, we, we did a, um, played high school baseball. We had a golf tournament at, I think, uh, at Hampshire greens and mm. we had to go around filling divots and stuff the day before, like getting it already. And fridge just had his golf cart up on the green, like as he was putting <laughs> and we were like driving around like, Holy shit, that's fridge. And again, this was 2003. So that's I'm like at his peak of his powers. For oh yeah. Time. And we were just like, as again, I'm a freshman in high school and I'm like, Oh my God, that's, that's him. That's fridge. And, and I know he lived in the neighborhood right next to it. Juan Dixon lived in, in Hampshire Greens, not the Doxum or anything, but uh, <laughs> I, I think I remember which hole that he was lived off of. Um, 18 years ago. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but no, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a literal larger than life figure. And like my wife, uh, when she went to Maryland, worked at, uh, um, she was a car girl at uh, the, the golf course and was like, yeah, like Fridge would come in and golf. And his wife would like sit and just eat dinner at the uh, or eat lunch at the at the bar in there. And, uh, Mulligans, yeah, what a and, place. and she was like, you know, <laughs> what a place. You could use like, dining points there, actually. Yes, you could. Little known yes, fact. Yep. Yeah, she. Uh, so she's like, you know, Miss Miss Fridge is what they call oh, it. Was like the nicest lady too. So, Gloria, I believe her name was. Um, was is. What? I think it's Gloria Friedgen. No, is is excuse okay. Me. That's why I was like, oh, I didn't. Here was in terms of she was here. She's not here I, anymore. But I yes, didn't know yes, Gloria Friedgen. Um, God, there, there. As you said, there's so many ways. I'm gonna self serve here and go with the guy that I've actually worked with at Maryland that people are probably not gonna know from his performance of the field. But this guy, just over the past few years, has just has just impressed me with all the things he does for us in the program. So I'm gonna give him a shout out on this year podcast and his Maryland senior wide receiver, Brian Cobbs, who is one of the all time good guys that I've met as a student athlete. He does everything we ask him to. He's an absolute freaking leader in the locker room right now. The T his teammates respect the absolute hell out of him. Uh, like everything we ever do with him, guys just go crazy for it. Cause they like him so much. Awesome kid. I hope he has a great senior year. I hope that he leads Maryland football back to a bowl game it will be a deserved send off for a guy that has been a just tremendous presence in our athletic department and in the football program. He's on the leadership committee for football this year. The freaky staff over there loves him. So shout out to Brian Cobbs. He jumps in here at the end because I just like him. I just like him. He's a good dude. Honorable mentions. Uh, I want to just go first here with uh, well, I, another guy like this that I loved Antoine Brooks, which is an all time weird mm-hmm. personality. Yeah. And just got caught by the Steelers, so screw them. I hope he catches up somewhere else. <laughs> but go ahead if you guys have anything. I, there's just so many. I mean, I know. Yeah. Uh, Jermaine oh. Lewis is probably the next one I was going to take for obvious reasons. Sure. So uh, there, throw some low-key ones in there. Uh, I mean, Will Likely was a huge guy for me. 
Mm-hmm. He was. I was going to take him if not for Cobbs. Yeah, say, I threw, say, threw the, say the, the linebacker. Yeah, he's uh, your mother's favorite corner. Um, <laughs> so great. Uh, yeah, uh, I threw that in a blog once and it just stuck. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, yeah, wee little guy. I, I I saw him. I I was in Toronto incidentally in August or July a couple of years ago, and he just happened to be playing for the Toronto Argonauts at the same time which, by the way, was an awesome football game. Uh, there was a, pretty much a Hail Mary that won the game in the last play. Shout out to the CFL. Um, Tony Logan was another fun punt returner. I almost uh, took Tony Logan, too. Yeah, was Tony Logan is a sneaky one where where uh, they wanted to lighten the workload on Tory a little bit um, in his that redshirt junior season, so they had Tony Logan returning punts, and he ended up being all ACC himself. If I remember right. Yeah, I had some – I, I mean, Dom Foxworth, anybody in that secondary, Foxworth, Chrome Cox, Cox Madhu Williams. Williams uh, you cut a couple years, Josh Wilson. Uh, Maryland just Kevin, had like a tremendous run of corners. Kevin Barnes with that hit, the, the Cal's throw-up hit, is an yeah. all-time – job all-time at best, video. isn't it? It's job yeah, at best. Job if, best. If that happens in the Twitter era, Kevin Barnes becomes like a giant star. In, yeah. Like, yeah, true. Yeah. The lime green the throw-up. Early YouTube sort of mm-hmm. situation, but oh, such a great video. Yeah, I had, and I'll go down real quick. I'll, I'll try and skip some of it. Like Dion Long loved him. Randy Starks. Dion Long. Duran Roundtree. I don't know DJ that there's Moore. an endearing. Uh, I, I just know. liked him. He was good. <laughs> He's not in, the most endearing guy of all time. In, <laughs> in, in the NCAA video games, him and Stefan Diggs were filthy. Yeah, they were. Um, DJ Moore, Jake Funk. Leroy Ambush, all-time name. Leon Joe, great name. Dequell Jackson, Chrome Cox, Josh Allen, running back. Nick Novak, shout-out NC State. Shout-out uh, Adam Barnes. Podlish, the, who ran a 4-4 as a punter at the combine. Killed it. He was a great punter, too. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> here you go. Josh Portis, uh, Dan Gronkowski, Jordan. <laughs> Josh Portis. <laughs> Portis the, Por- the Portis package was an incredible time in Maryland. It was great. It was great. Yeah, but don't forget Jordan Steffi, too. Chris Turner. Oh, my uh, God. A.J. Yeah. Francis. Probably could have got drafted. Oh, um, yeah. Bill Costa, who used to date um, uh, 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 Brooke Hogan. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Maryland football um, puts itself in some weird spots. I thought so about funny. taking Kevin Plank. Could have Dean. What's Jake, his name? Jake Funk was very high on my list. Another. I, I, was, I thought someone would have taken him. Dean Matati, also known as Mojo Raleigh. Mojo Laquan Williams, who did the whole Baltimore football gauntlet. He, he did. did Terps, Ravens, and Brigade. We saw him play in the he AFL. Did. Yeah. <laughs> um, my buddy Matt Robinson, who who I used to play softball with, and now he's on the Ravens coaching staff. Cam Chisholm for the Miami. Oh yeah, Six-Six. Cameron Chisholm. That Cameron Randy Chisholm. Etzel. That Randy like, Etzel random for. Shoot him out Cam on the Chisholm, side. By the way, shout out to Cam Chisholm, who couldn't be more locked into Maryland football's Twitter right now. He's just liking everything. I love really? that guy. Good for him. You yeah. said Nick the kick, right? Yeah. yeah Nick. Yes, yeah, yeah. Nick okay. Novak. Shout out NC okay. State. Um, Shout out, sideline pissing. Yeah, Danny O'Brien, Cody Blue, he's from Howard County. Alex Alex Wojak, Demetrius Hartfelt, love that guy. Alex Hartfield, Wojak's sorry. a good one. This is um, a great list. Demetrius Hartfelt was really good. Listen to these last two. Oh, the last one, Perry or Perry Hills, um, <laughs> Sean Petty, and then this one. This one is a way back one. Yeah, the Sean Petty, Caleb Porzell. Oh, oh Caleb man, Caleb let me talk about Caleb Porzell Caleb for a second. Porzell, Caleb Porzell. Baby. Was the baddest motherfucker in travel baseball in Montgomery County, circa 2001, probably. I've never seen. He had these cornrows that in his batting helmet would click around, and the guy would hit 
a flare over the second baseman's head and be a third base in a heartbeat. He was yep. sick. He shouldn't have given up baseball. <laughs> uh, half, uh, he's, he's on my team, half Jew. So one of my, one of my brothers. <laughs> you named so many of the good ones <laughs> right there. Jared Gaither. Dion Long is such a ridiculous Campbell. I would have never mentioned Dion Oh, Bruce Campbell was my whoa moment my first week of college when I walked in the dining hall and saw him, and I was like, that's a real human. Holy shit. He was huge. I could go on and on. Oh, my God. I mean, there there are some amazing names. Um, I'm trying to think. Remember Pete D'Souza broke both his legs in that scooter? He ruined the motorcycles for all the football players. The mopeds, yep. Yeah. Yeah. They really need to take him away from they with the scooters now. We they don't need the mopeds anymore. Someone is going to continue to get hurt. By the way, the scooters flying around College Park right now. Somebody's going to get killed. I mean, it's going to it is going to be very. We were bad laughing, as cars, but as cars fly around in traffic now, the traffic's back. By the way, traffic could not be more back going into College Park. Route one is a scene this morning, just an absolute scene. Um, Caleb Porzell is such a good pull. I mean, Dexter McDougal, like Dexter McDougal. Um, go I was on and say, on. You say C.J. Brown had no, I didn't. years I didn't. in college football history. Um, Jamar Robinson had a fun mm-hmm. little stint there as a starting quarterback. Some uh, of the, the names of the quarterback, like Chris like you Turner. go to the quarterbacks, like Kasim Hill, Tyrell yes. Pigram. Oh I thought God. about Pigram latched on to uh, Ole Miss another today. team. He's still playing. Ty- Ole Miss Ty- today. He he oh. is he's um he's Perry Ellis. Yeah, it's amazing. Perry how Ellis. He's been in college. Um. He, I remember watching a game, the overtime game that he won against what? Florida Atlantic? Yeah, or UCF. Taylor, you'll know what I mean by this. I watched that game at 18 West. Yeah, yeah. I think that ended up being – did we end up at Pickles that night somehow? That may be – or was I separated from you? That may be I don't know. Um, I don't know. 18 West. Got shout out to 18 West. Absolute respect. Um yeah, the, the quarterback situation part of it, the whole thing is just an incredible list of names. Um, Dax Garman, remember that one? Oklahoma State transfer. I mean, Mac, Max Bordenschlager. Like, Max Bordenschlager. I mean, Hollenbach. You got, I mean, we could go on and on. Again, this could be an entirely like, I'm trying, like, I, and I know there's, there's still more I missed. I just, I was going down like 2000 roster, 2001, 2002. And just reeling them off. There's also so many like, you said Cody Blue. There's like so many ones that <laughs> I we saw him doing DoorDash last week. That's why that I, we that's why saw I thought of that we thought we we're going to be good and just didn't live up to their um, just didn't live up to their recruiting ranking. He was certainly one of them. Yeah, he. I've I've literally seen him like in Columbia Mall again. I saw him picking up food. He was DoorDashing like last week. I saw, and I was like, holy shit, that's Cody Blue. Like I remember him. I mean, there's so many, so many people. God, um, Darrell Scott oh God. got drafted earlier mm-hmm. than I think Bruce, God, Bruce Ricardo Bruce. Young. Um, oh, the Maggot. I mean, DJ, what was his name? Uh, Keon, Keon Lattimore, Keon Lattimore, Ray Lewis's Mario Merrill, DJ Moore. But who was uh, Lance Ball? Who yep. was the other running back with uh, Darrell Scott? DJ, uh, oh, there's Brandon Ross, mm-hmm. uh, which a couple years after that, uh, there's Brown. DJ Adams, DJ who Adams, was a, was touchdown ball through the goal line, Wade Lease. Uh, you had West Brown, you have Wade Lees, you have uh, Brad Craddock who won the Groza Award. Oh, Shout right. out to Matt Taylor who used to do PR here in Maryland. Um, an all-time good PR guy who's in the NFL. Um, just winning the Gro- having Brad Craddock win the Groza Award on a team like that, just an awesome accomplishment. Surprised <laughs> you didn't take Frank Wycheck, Eric. I thought about after you said Boomer, I thought about it. 
But again, like I didn't see him play like I just yeah, love Lorenzo Harrison was sweet for a bit. Jojo I love some like, of the names I mean, on Lolo. the uh, on the offensive line. God, remember Tyreek Cheeseboro? Um <laughs> that's a great name too. <laughs> yeah, it's an awesome name. God, Nigel King. I mean, I almost love reading through Tony this Logan. Yeah. Tony Logan was a legend. Jay Sean Jones. And then you have some of these He's guys that have, like, stuck in the NFL. Sean Davis stuck in the NFL. He did just get cut. Darius Kilgo stuck in the NFL. Quentin Jefferson stuck Moises in the NFL. Foku, like Moises Foku stuck in the NFL for a little bit. Um, Derwin Gray just got cut. Michael Dunn just made the 53-man roster for the Browns, which is a great story. Sammy Maldonado, um, you remember that, dude? Dadu, Darnell Savage. Tyler DeSue. What? Jermaine Shane Cockerell. Jermaine, mm-hmm. Jermaine, yeah, elite 11 quarterback. Yeah, um, people forget that. Jermaine Carter, who's going to start at linebacker for the Panthers now. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, is he still in Seattle? Uh, he is in uh, Las Vegas. We will see him yes. Monday night, first Monday of the season. Yeah, he's with, uh, Yannick. He's with Yannick. And then you have, like, Ty Johnson, who may start a running back for, uh, he for the Jets. He bowled that dude over. On yes, uh, Friday night, I think it was. Yes, he did. Uh, so send in uh, any other Maryland names you may have. We may have missed. I can't imagine we missed many, but you could go at Quantra's. Oh, my buddy, uh, Calvin Siemenson. Forgot him. We, we, we could go forever here. Uh, Justice Pickett. We wanted to. Justice Pickett. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Jaquil Vey. Lowell Harrison, one of the all-time good freshmen. Yep. What were the, um, weren't there twins? Yeah. What were the twins' names? Like, recently. Cornerbacks, twins. corners. Wasn't one a corner? We had the Jacobs. Tw- they weren't twins. Tavon and Laverne, but they were brothers. You had uh, Brandon and Jarrett Ross, who were brothers. No, they were funky names. You had, um, oh my gosh, twins. I should know that if that's actually. I mean, I could be pulling it out of my ass. So, oh, well. Someone has that on them, then they can they can send it over to us. Yeah, I think so. Them. Yeah, Elijah. They weren't weird. They were just very similar. That's what it was. Yeah, and neither of them were very good. And um, the at a so yeah, or whatever. Maryland football. We'll move to uh, speaking of Maryland. We'll the, uh, yeah, went to Syracuse and was like an all-American. We will move to the uh, Nick Cannon Medley Maryland person of the week. Um, Eric, I'll have you start. My. Nick Kander Medley, Maryland Person of the Week, is is possibly my favorite story uh, in sports this year. It's 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 Coach Roy Johnson. Oh my God! I, this entire thing has totally <laughs> so here. So I I love the story, Banks. I'm with you. I'm not with the joke. The jokes have to stop. The jokes are terrible. If you're doing a Bishop Sycamore joke, it's not a good one. But the story itself is fascinating. Like, there's some good ones in there. It's just I wanted to go to, to the map the now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was right away. Like it was. It was instant. But like, I wanted to go see him play the map in a couple of weeks. I like the whole night, and the more and more that this shit comes out, it's 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 crazy. It's it's absolutely crazy. So they they said he got fired today, Roy Johnson. I don't know who fired him. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get like le- legitimate question? Who fires him? It's a great I got, question. I got nothing. I don't know. If but, you haven't read that story, go to Twitter and find it. it snake is it till wild. you make it. I mean, it's, it's up there. And you know what else? The like picture of Manti Teo, like, Oh, my girlfriend was a uh, Bishop Sycamore. Like, Oh, 
That's fucking hilarious, dude. It's great. <laughs> I love it how bad that is. I mean, yeah, like, I, I was the, the first guy saying the Manti Teo jokes are so bad. Like, there's just some things where the fruit is hit. It's just hanging so low that I hate the internet and it makes me want to log off. And well, this has been one of those stories. And I think we could do a draft of those. The stories that are just the most obnoxious, just exhausting stories. And the Manti Teo one was probably a top first round pick for me if we do that draft well here's the thing so i said how tired i was of it and then like two hours later the bengals waved a guy named michael jordan and i immediately tweeted lebron never got released and so did everyone else who saw the tweet and i felt like such an asshole but (laughs) it's like everyone doing these jokes is just it's 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 it was rough but so lamar jackson of the jets getting cut yeah that was funny yeah like that was that was funny i laughed at that but um Again, if you haven't if you haven't read the story, you got. I mean, you got to go read it. The the last real quick part of that, like those kids could have gotten really hurt. Like it's kind of a scary story. Like it's funny. Yeah. And jokes have been good, but like IMG is essentially. I mean, it's obviously a sports factory. I mean, it is what it is. And like, God bless those kids or whoever they were or the twenty five year old JUCO kids. I have no idea what was going on there, but it was not safe. Like Thanks. this, the stories of them like having to rob stores and shit to eat is just it's it's crazy. It's All things bizarre. It's very crazy. I am a if you know me well, you know I love a good scheme, and that is just a tremendous scheme that 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 guy cooked up there. Snake it till you make it. Tremendous scheme. It. So I guess hats off to that guy. I guess. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Something wrong. Allegedly. Thanks. Patrons, we're doing patrons. Uh, I thought everybody had a great time out there at the BMW Championship. It was a tremendous tournament. Tournament of the year, many are saying. Um, I mean, in terms of the drama and the back and forth and Patrick Cantley and Bryson DeChambeau going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Cantley just putting his balls off. But watching people just sprint up and back the hill on 18, back to 17 for the playoff, like the energy behind it. Um, the environment, especially on the weekend when I was out there, was tremendous. I thought the entire thing was almost perfect. I think the one thing that if, if anybody could change something about the tournament is the fact that the, the leaders scored, you know, they were 27 under par. But I thought the BMW Championship was a huge hit. Hopefully they bring an event back to, to Baltimore. Um, hopefully Caves Valley. I thought Caves Valley was um, an awesome venue. Um, it's a great golf course that i hope to play on sometime in the near future so um you you never know things might be cooking there um but yeah i uh i thought it was a home run and i I think i I, there are some people out there i think that aren't necessarily big golf people but i saw them out there and enjoying themselves and i think uh that's a good thing and uh it's good for the game some would say very good for the game i was out there on saturday it was a blast up in the uh the old chalet um watching the uh, groups come in there on 18 walking around obviously if there's one thing you could change it'd be the heat but i think that you know we talked about last week about this you know baltimore certainly showed out for this event i think that the pga tour can't help but for, for remember this tournament because of the drama um it stinks because I, what i was hearing was that on the tv broadcast they're really praising the crowd and then in the aftermath, and they, and you could hear it. I mean, some of the roars, you know, there's the video of the roar for Bryson's ball going in the uh, in the drink on the par three on Saturday. And it's an incredible, like, thing that went up. 
it stinks that post some of this has become a, like the Bryson, which it is. I mean, golf right now is all about Bryson DeChambeau. It is a, is a fascinating subplot to everything going on in golf. And some of that related back to like some fan behavior in Baltimore, but that if that tournament had happened in Tin Buck two, that fan behavior is going to happen with Bryson. Yeah. That's just how it's going right now. Um, former guest on this show, go back and listen to a great interview. But um, it was I thought it was awesome. It was so fun, and Baltimore is a city that should host things like that because I think that as a community, you know, you're not you're probably a step below you know the big big four sport major towns, but when you bring events like that. With the quality of field, I, I thought it was extremely well done. And as you said, I think Cape did a great job. The experience there was great. Um, it didn't feel like there were a lot of people, at least on Twitter. Banks, you would know this best, complaining about things like parking or transportation or getting there. Golf, golf courses are not meant to host events like this. So all of that is always going to be yeah. kind of weird and an issue. Uh, same um, thing happened at Bay Hill when I went down there. They host a tournament every single year. They're a staple. Same similar thing at the Players' Championship at TBC Sawgrass. The PGA headquarters are literally on the property and it's still, there's still logistical hurdles. You have to jump to, to get there. It's just the way that it is. So um, that's just the nature of the beast. That H lot parking pass, baby. Didn't hurt. Just walk right across the street. All right. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. That was really fun. So hope. Yeah. Bring it back. PGA tour. We would love to have you back. Um, my Maryland person of the week, um, goes to fans as well, but not the fans of the BMW. Although that is, I certainly second that with a ton of ferocity. I, we had Maryland fans back in college park this weekend, really for the first time in a major way at our two soccer matches Thursday and Sunday, the crew is back in full force. If you haven't been to a Maryland soccer game, it's a very different experience than any college soccer you would see. It's incredibly fun. And to have those fans back makes me even more excited for Saturday to get the fans back at Maryland Stadium. Homer pick for me. Obviously, all I talk about is Maryland. But it gave me goosebumps having 4,000 people back in Ludwig Field. So um, it was one of those, you know, it was funny going from the BMW, which was an electric event. I was only there on Saturday, but an electric atmosphere on Saturday for a lot of the things that were going on. And then to go Sunday and have the fans at Ludwig for, you know, a win to get two local teams, Maryland, UMBC was incredibly fun. So I will give it to that. Uh, I have no honorable mentions unless you guys have any. Austin Hayes, the double. Oh my God. Got to at least shout him out. Got to give sure. him some shout out. It's predictable. Um, I'm watching Sopranos again. It's great. It's really mm. great. Yeah. I'm, I'm into season two on a rewatch. Um, you have 13 days to watch all of the wire, I believe. I did finish Cruel Summer. Um, okay, okay. So what do you think is about episode uh, one of the wire? Freeform show. The episode one of Cruel Summer, or episode three of Cruel Summer. Yes, I don't know what that show is. Yeah, well, it did just win some award, some Hollywood Critics Award. Which you know? which Nickelodeon award did that win? Oh, come on, come on, come on. I'm sure it will win some of those too. I'm sure, we'll win some of those. Um, so yeah, I got the wire now to watch and I'll, uh, I'll get that going and come back with my thoughts on it. And that's something that will happen. Look uh, forward to it. Allegedly. Well, I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, bachelor in paradise is on Mondays and Tuesdays, and then you have the challenge on Wednesdays and then it's cheesesteak night on Thursday. So how are you supposed to keep all these things together? And then Friday night, I got soccer. I got soccer. I got a soccer game. I got to work. Saturday is Merrill football. I mean, there is football, by the way, 
um, renovated McDonald's down in College Park been tremendous so far in my post soccer game. <laughs> Shout out to them. <laughs> <laughs> the Route One. The Route One one used to be. Yeah, they just redid the entire thing. It looks totally different. <laughs> where did they move? Where the counter is or anything? I didn't. I haven't gone inside. I've only gone through the drive-through. Oh, um, okay. Way different. But I will. But I will. I will take a peek uh, on that next time for you. Um, as you know, College Park, just a continually thriving community. It's a, it's a very hit or miss <laughs> McDonald's. Yes, it is. It's been bad, but it seems like they may be under new management because it's been a hit for me both times. Mm. Uh, it's not taking a long time to get through the drive-thru. <laughs> so no free ads, but shout out to the McDonald's uh, in College Park. Um, that's the, the Nick Cannon Medley Man of the Week. Yeah. Uh, what I mean, you kind of talked about the BMW, but I, we talked about it a lot last week. An amazing event. I, I hope that we get things like that moving forward, like not just – you know, PJ Tour is sort of like the perfect kind of event where you can it's four you days. Try it on for a day and see how it is. It felt like everyone had a great time. This didn't go this way when the we had the Indy car race, and it felt like that was because you know they oh. shut down a bunch of streets and everyone hated it, and no one likes IndyCar. Yeah, but weird. it'll be interesting to see if this allows Baltimore to you know, go and do like, it just makes no sense that the city is not a site for like first and second round of the NCAA tournament. I know the arena is a huge part of that. But, like, this is why you got to invest in things like that. Cause then you can bring events, bring events, get it done. Yep. Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl. They don't even give us our game when we win it. I know. I know. God, what a shame. Oh, uh, that sucked. That's, that's, that, you know, God, that honestly, we should have a, we should do, maybe this will be an off season thing. Just do a podcast, just podcast series that relitigates old Baltimore issues. That would be a fun one to dive into with people. That <laughs> that. Bring in old officials from the Orioles and the Ravens. Yeah. And the and the can't government. move an O's White Sox game. And so that would be so good. You just can't. <laughs> that was a disaster. Just a disaster. It's a real shame. We missed out on Keith Urban in the, in a Baltimore Harbor. You have an entire you have an entire <laughs> night that you're going to showcase your city in front of the entire country, and you move the game to Denver. What a joke! I mean, yeah, people, people would have loved to see uh, Manning throw for seven touchdowns. Oh come on! <laughs> I had come to. On. By the way, fuck the St. Paul States. Breaking news: While here in Columbus, the the Saints have scheduled a three game series against the Bishop Sycamore baseball team. Get fucked! I hate these. Oh, kids. that's horrible. Get out! They, they tweeted that two hours ago too. Like that's you that social media person should be fired for sending wow. a tweet that late two hours ago Ooh, about Bishop Sycamore. That's the old. best part about, and maybe some college did the best part about the the Bishop Sycamore jokes is like we can't make that joke. It's a high school, so it's like you can't even do it because <laughs> it's like probably some recruiting violation. <laughs> so didn't even have to think about whether I had the possibility to make those jokes today. Lucky you. Yeah, thank you for my service. Um, oh, Mike Richards fired from Jeopardy. Wow, so this guy went from being oh, the yeah. executive producer of this. I didn't see this today. The executive producer of this show to being the host of this show and the executive producer to being none of them in the span of like three weeks. You didn't see Schefter's tweet? No. Oh, I, I almost <laughs> – Schefter tweeted like – Schefter's been on a little a over his... day, yeah. like something about cut down day and like – it reaches it. It reaches this level. Something like that. He retweeted it, and I was like, "Now yeah. this." Yeah, like <laughs> it was like NBA Schefter coming back. Zverev is throwing footballs to Des Bryant. What is going on at the U.S. What? 
We had this whole thing yesterday. What are you even talking about? Andy Murray. I'm looking at Schefter's Twitter. Alexander Zverev, the number four tennis player in the world, who won the gold medal at the Olympics, actually threw a ball after today's win at the U.S. Open at Des Bryant, and of course, Des caught it. Jesus what a tweet. <laughs> Why did he tweet that? Oh, Des Bryant did catch this ball. Why in is Green Des, Bay? Where uh, are the Des tapes? Des Bryant. Yeah. Really, yeah. Remember we tried to have, get Des Bryant on, go Des, drunk Des Bryant on this show uh, last year? Yeah. Dr- a mess. Drunk COVID yeah. Des Bryant on a Thursday night, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, Lions, the Lions really spoke their kickers. <laughs> oh, bad organizations are bad. Oh, this is our fun little new segment called Taylor Peruse's yeah, Twitter for the day. Catches up on Twitter for well, the day. Well, I just, you know, <laughs> I've you know, been disconnected. I've just been fully in Maryland Twitter. We had all sports media day today at Maryland. We're, I'm getting bigness way off topic. Um, we're rolling into week one. So let's get, to get, get this out of the way first. Next week, obviously, we'll have our normal preview show. But the instant analysis are back, baby. We'll be on every single time after the Ravens. This one on Monday is going to be very late for the boys. But, you know, normally on a Sunday, the one o'clock game, we're, we're recording by 4.30. You know, we're going to have the, the 30 to 45 minute, maybe go longer if the game um, has that like Cleveland, the Cleveland Monday night game did last year. Uh, but we're going to do the instant analysis and try to obviously relate guests each week back to the Ravens opponent or, or, or whatever the Ravens are doing. So going to go back and we've been heavy on the Ravens all year, but it will be um, a very Ravens heavy podcast as we head through football season. Um, and then uh, we'll we'll ramp it back up when Orioles spring training comes. But we're we're an hour away as we speak from September. September's go time. Oh, and yep. football season, baby, and that's, Ready, that's baby. this is when I change gears. We got the tour championship with the golf finishing up here this weekend. I'm changing gears completely into banks, blog, Ravens. Going to be a lot of stuff coming out. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to rock. You just reminded me we're also an hour away from the wake me up when September ends. Uh, no. Oh, come on. Come on, it's, RDT. We are. If I see if I see that tweet from Maryland come out, I will be. Oh, stop. My first concert was Green Day. Song stinks. Oh, it's a pretty good song. Uh, it's an overrated album. Wow. All right. We can talk about that offline. Um, so Raven's content going to be ramping up. We'll have guests. Obviously, Banks will be doing his blog thing. RDT will be playing. Uh, cannot you know what tweets are coming back mm-hmm. why can you have mm-hmm. this titans fan on the podcast he's not a ravens fan you i can't believe you have him on can't wait for those tweets Break, honestly tweet that more just to piss rdt off <laughs> um so <laughs> i cannot wait for that i just started smiling thinking about that get that, get that um, mute button going early baby get the mute button going <laughs> um thanks as always to our friends at fed thrill for sponsoring the starting five segment um 20 off promo code exit 52 um thread level midnight the, sh- the shirts are still up there saw some shirts floating around that people were wearing on twitter that's great to see make sure to wrap the podcast hell wear the shirt to a ravens game it'll work get the get the you know got everything you need make sure to go buy those shirts on the fed on the excuse me on the x52 fed thrill store and then make sure to follow us on our social media channels barstool bags at d-i-t-t-i-22 i almost messed that up at Taylor Smite 10, at X52 Podcast, full on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks as always to Jimmy Seafood. We will see you next time on the Exit 52 Podcast, presented by Jimmy Seafood.
Yeah.